Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's up, weirdos? Uh, continuing the wonderful Chicago tradition of this week, uh, I interviewed and sat down and had a nice chat with my good friend Chris Mars, somebody that I did improv with back in Chicago. Absolutely, hands down, one of the funniest and nicest guys I know. So glad he could come in to do the episode. So let's get this out of the way. You made it weird.com is how to get a t shirt made by a weirdo and for a weirdo. We're going to be getting some new shirts in there any day now, maybe by the time this is out. But go get a shirt. Perfect way to support the show. Also, you can do donations at youmadeitweird.com as well, which is perfect because Katie uh, just saw – did we already do the chupacabra? She saw the chupacabra. Is that – am I repeating myself? She won't stop talking about it. She was camping in the woods and uh, she saw a chupacabra that was – it was just sitting in a lawn chair smoking. She's pretty sure it was either chupacabra or like a recreating hobo. They love recreating. Anyway, weird at nerdist.com is the email for the show. Trying my best to get back to those or at least read them. Uh, let's see. We got tour dates. If you're hearing this of the day, it comes out June 21 through 24. I'm in Denver. Yeah, Denver. Yogi Bear. 3D. TJ. Comedy Works Downtown. I'll be there with my friend Andy Haynes, who's also hilarious and wonderful. July 19 through 21, I will be in New Brunswick, New Jersey for the Stress Factory. I will be in uh, Montreal for the Just for Laughs uh, Festival. We're doing a live uh, You Made It Weird. It's going to be between July 25th and 28th. That's when all my shows are, and we're going to be doing a live You Made It Weird in Montreal, which is going to be great. August 2 through 5, Cleveland, Ohio for Hilarities. September 6 through 8, Scottsdale, Arizona for Stand Up Scottsdale. October 11 through 13, Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, wait. September 14, 15, Chicago. I'm going back to Chicago. Chicago, uh, Lincoln Lodge. Uh, that's going to be great. Lincoln Lodge. I used to live like three blocks from there, so that's going to be awesome. Perfect for the Chicago theme. Show brought to you by Bunk. Remember my friend Kurt Brownoller did the show. Love this guy. One of the funniest and best comedians I know did the show. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that. Kurt Brownoller, he's got a new show. It's called Bunk. It's on 1030 on IFC right after Comedy Bang Bang, which we've also been talking about. This is like a silly play show. Kurt loves playing around with comedians. It's where comedians come to play. They're going to be improvising. They're playing this kind of like weird game show that's really just about being funny for insane prizes and non-charitable causes. Comics armed with nothing but their wit, with crazy categories like whose crotch is hotter, shame that puppy, give that bitch some arms. These sounds like Gamefly games. Unstamp the tramp. Also for Gamefly. Uh, challenges include making up songs on the spot, completing drawings, creating sculptures, that sort of stuff. We got um, modern dancers, puppies, babies, gospel singers. It's just the weirdest and greatest show called Bunk. Our friend Kurt Brownoller is hosting 1030 on IFC right after Comedy Bang Bang. That's it. That's all we got to say. So get into it. Chris Morris, enjoy. I'm also chewing gum. What kind of gum are you chewing? Uh, hey, Katie. Orbits, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> the look on the your face of just like, I is it the, Orbits? The weird part is that I, um, 
I specifically bought this gum. <laughs> and no, the, this is why it's funny you ask me. I don't know what it, what kind it is, but last night I made like four people really mad at me in the line at the at the grocery store because I was looking for a specific type of gum in the candy rack and I couldn't find it. Literally, that happened. And now you ask me, and I'm thinking, what the hell am I chewing that I was looking for? And I got all these Wait, dirty looks. About what it. you know it by the color in the box? Yes, perhaps. I know. The, yeah, I know the kind of box. It's the blue. What box. is it? I think it's dentine. I've got. <laughs> Please, let's get it because I'm not going to be able to move. I'm not even spitting mine out. I want this to be the episode where I'm chewing gum. Uh, I'm teasing. It'll sound like I'm blowing a baby goat. It's in the car. It's dentine of some kind. Dentine ice. That's what it is. Nothing's colder than ice. It's dentine dentine ice. ice. Yes, it's dentine ice. (laughs) (laughs) It has a polar blast (laughs) that I appreciate during the summer. It's one of the things that's always so funny about you, uh, Chris. This is Chris Mars, my good friend from a decade. That's great to see you, man. Holy shit. Yeah, long Holy, time. Is you, you can get into that intense. Like, you're a friendly looking fuck. <laughs> like me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But then, like, you're, you're ready to go to that place of comedy, of desperation. Of That's why it was so... That was a real laugh. You know, uh-huh. people are always like... Uh, questioning my sincerity or whatever, but when you go, I don't know what kind of like, like you go right from together to I don't know what kind of gum it is, and that's important. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a rule of comedy and a rule of improv. Not to force the first topic, but is is just like giving a shit. Totally, whatever yeah. it is that you're doing, giving a shit. Uh, Peter Peter Gwynn, remember Peter? Yes, Gwynn? yeah, yeah. He had this great thing about uh, auditioning for improv, which is always really difficult. Mm-hmm. And he, one of the tips that he gave, because you get one scene, right. if you're auditioning for like a second city or something, uh, like the touring company or, or the classes now, if you're auditioning one scene, you get like two, three minutes to prove yourself as an improviser, and you're off the bus from Indiana, and nobody knows who the fuck you are. He's like, you got to get mad. Right. Or get like uh, horny, or get like <laughs> something. He's got to have steaks right away. Steaks immediately. Yeah. Someone sit the sits down in a chair. You go. That's my dead dad's chair. You know, <laughs> like you can't just pick a fight. But I mean, like something right. happened. Like I oh, you decided to sit in that chair. I can't believe that. Like some sort of intensity. Mm-hmm. And you always had that. And you just had that with the gum. <laughs> Thanks, man. I just want I want you to know that I know that you're a funny dude. Thanks, Bart. <laughs> back at you. One of the, <laughs> back at you. One of the funniest. You're one of the funniest. My Thanks. gum, can I tell you what my yeah, gum Yeah, what gum were you chewing? Yeah, I want this to be us together. <laughs> if you talk about gum, I'd like to also talk about gum. And I Are you chewing gum? gum? What is it, a Troblerone? Peanut butter pretzels. That's don't, the why? generic combos is don't what that me, is. Don't make me read. She's holding it up, making me read. Those are generic combos? Yeah. That's 7-Eleven brand combo. <laughs> For the the man where combos is a little too fancy, take it down a notch, combos. Pepperoni pizza. How about regular pizza? I thought you were going to give me the finger, which you gave me a thumbs up, which is just as good. How much were those? 25 cents? One dollar. One cash dollar. That's smart shopping, because it's not like combos has the great ingredients. That, you know, it's not like you're going to. Why like, are you paying organic the- combos? Oh my god! There you go. You know who is the market for organic combos? You're looking at them. <laughs> I would be all over organic combos. Combos is an immediate regret food. You ever regret eating something before you eat it? I take combos off the shelf. And I have heartburn. Every day. <laughs> That's my feeling when I'm sitting in the McDonald's drive-thru, <laughs> waiting for the car in front of me to move Is that true? That's absolutely That's true. Because this is a phenomenon. I can't stop myself. Everybody feels that way. When I'm mixing mac and cheese, and it's that... 
You know what I mean? Disgusting kind of cunnilingual sound totally. to kind of rip off Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne has a very funny bit about how that sounds like going down on somebody. Sorry to rip you off, Steve Byrne, just then. But you're mixing up the – and I always think of his bit when I'm mixing it up. And I also feel dread. My uh-huh. eyes see – the comfort food that is mac and cheese, and it goes. You're gonna, you're gonna be comatose. You're gonna be like an Italian zombie. Oh, I love the pasta and the cheese, <laughs> and then I'm just gonna lie down and be worthless, uh. shutting off. Can I? Okay, we're gonna get to gum, but I want to ask you about shutting off and food. Okay. Can I run this idea by you? Yeah, what's up? We're looking to shut off. I think people want to shut off a lot. We either want to turn on or turn off. Right. Food can kind of do both. Mm-hmm. It's a confusing message, the uh, the Happy Meal, the McDonald's number two or whatever. Mm-hmm. The caffeine and the sugar that's turning you on and the fat and the salt is all – the salt is also kind of turning you on. But then the, the fat and the, and the carbs or whatever it is also kind of sedate you. Totally. It's this weird cocktail. It's like an upper and a downer. What do they call that? An eight ball? I don't know. Sure. I think that's what – I'm so not good me with drug neither. references. Yeah, me neither. But. Let's call it the four ball. The four ball. When you mix an upper and the number cover. four ball. Yeah, super sized. <laughs> so you, but uh, let's okay. Let's 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 talk about that. You know what I'm talking about. You eat mm-hmm. sometimes if you're not tired. You eat sometimes if you're anxious. Mm-hmm. I I totally am. I I do this. I say this to Aaron all the time. My wife. Yes. Uh, I don't know if this is what what qualifies as an emotional eater, but this is my issue with food, and specifically someplace like McDonald's, which is yeah, yeah, way yeah, too yeah. easy to get into. When I'm uh, really happy about something when I'm celebrating. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna get a milkshake. I'm gonna get a number three yeah, or whatever, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And then when I'm really bummed out about something, I'm like, ah, it's been a shitty day. I'm, I'm gonna, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna go get some. Get a go, number three. I'm gonna get a number three. Go and get so, a milkshake. Like, I use it to comfort myself, and I use it to sort of Fuck celebrate them. myself. They get you coming, and they get you. They going. get you coming, to go, and it's not, you know. I don't know. It's not always just McDonald's, but like that's my that's my guilty pleasure that I I don't eat a lot of fast food except for McDonald's. Sure, you know, 20, sure. Isn't twenty to twenty five times a month. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> no, no. That's How not often even. we go into Mickey D's? Oh God, it goes in spurts. I will literally be able to not go for like a month or two. Yeah, but then I'll I'll you know go in a spurt where I'll go four times in a week. Really? Yeah. What are we bad. getting? Mix it up. <laughs> you know I'm. I'm <laughs> You're a no, connoisseur. I know. God, I mean, so some this days is, it's the chicken, and it's always a sneaker. Days. Like I, I will, not, I will not tell Aaron that I went. She'll, really? She'll, you know, but I, Ooh, I sabotage very, myself very because I'll leave queen. the receipts around and stuff. Uh, <laughs> not like I hope she finds it. No. Yeah, Chris, you I know. are describing to me everything of an addiction, uh, in, know, including the enjoyment of getting caught. For mm-hmm. I, we were just talking about pornography. And when I was when I knew you, uh-huh. a little backstory. Chris and I were very good friends uh, a decade ago. Yeah, in Chicago. we're still friends, but ne- we were close. We were married couple friends. Yeah. So selfishly, I kind of wanted to have you come on and reminisce and all this sort of stuff. But during that time, when I was like 22, I thought I was addicted to pornography. Right. All right. And uh, this has come up on the show. I, I think who gives a fuck? We're going to talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> I. But what I, what it turns out, what I was addicted to wasn't just uh, masturbating. It wasn't just looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. It was the shame, mm-hmm. the guilt, and the cleanse. It was this. It was a wonderful way to spend the afternoon. You're a ravenous uh, wolf. You're a rabbit, and you're starving for some sort of sexual thing. You find it. You find your prey. Your your porn that you're going to look at. You masturbate. Then all of that wolf is gone. Right. You just you just blew him out of your nuts. Only the shame remains. Only the shame remains. And now what do you do? Talk about your receipts and stuff. Hide the receipts. Delete your cash or whatever. Right. This is back in the day. I don't give a fuck. I leave pornography open in my on my. Car- 
current computer. I don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was looking at pornography, American pornography. Right. And I'm a red-blooded American yes. male. Yeah. I'm going to look at porn online. Who gives a shit? And right. that's, I believe that's the correct attitude. And my, I was actually going to say her name. My ex, which we don't say on the okay. show. Yeah. I don't want her to sue me. <laughs> uh, my, my ex, uh, you know, would used to say if that had been my attitude towards pornography at the time, she would have been fine with it. Uh-huh. Anybody, anybody would be fine if you were just like, I'm, I'm a piece of shit. I, I looked at some Japanese schoolgirls in a pillow fight and I masturbated. Uh, uh-huh. Who cares? Right. Or if you're like, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. It just reminds me of you eating eating like shit, uh-huh. feeling guilt about it. And you were raised Catholic-y? Yes, yes. So I wonder if you're like me and hardwired to kind of enjoy that Irish melancholic sort mm-hmm. of like, I'm a piece of shit. I ate my Big Mac mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to hide it from my wife. I'm going to wash my hands of the fry <laughs> smell. And then the receipt in the pocket and she does your laundry and she goes, Chris? <laughs> Wait a second, what is this? <laughs> what comes in the number four again? <laughs> ah, Aaron. No, I know it's uh, Aaron's voice. That That's is, how I hear her. That's yeah, how she yeah. talks. But like, yeah, I no, I 100% totally agree with that. I was born feeling guilty. Yeah. And I think that there is a big... Born guilty. I mean, it's, it, it, you know... It's the opposite of that Sarah McLaughlin song, Born Innocent. Born Innocent. Yeah. I was, I, I always, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that I feel... Oh, God, this is... I, I say to Aaron sometimes, God, I think I'm addicted to... I think I'm addicted to food sometimes because I can't... Yeah. You know, like I... Well, when you said emotional eating, isn't it all emotional eating? Totally, yes. I agree with you. Yes. I eat a pizza to go to bed. I'm an emotional <laughs> drinker, too. I'm an emotional everything. But, like, go on. Keep going. I'm no, just, I, I just don't want you to feel alone. I agree. Oh, thank you. No, I... I and I... I don't believe that I'm the only person in my family. I, I definitely look at my mom, and I think she's exactly the same. And it breaks my heart now. And I, my wife and I will have these honest, very honest conversations sometimes. You know, she's like, you know who you sound like? <laughs> yeah. uh, We've been doing like, impressions of Aaron for yeah, a decade. Yeah, I do, more I, than that. Yeah. Oh I was thinking about God. that on the way over here. You know, I think it was, well, just barely. 2001. 2001, so it was like 11 years. Almost. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're it's right. a decade. It was it's a little over long, 11 years. I've known you as, as long as I've been doing comedy. That's crazy, crazy. man. Crazy. We'll get into all that. We'll get into how we met and run faster. And, right. And Patrick and all that stuff. <laughs> it's going to be the best. It's going to be the best. But we've been, we've been, t- your, your wife is a lovely, long suffering, very Midwestern yeah. uh, delight. Totally. And she's got, she's, very, she's got great willpower. So she, she's incredibly supportive and understanding of my issues with food. So th- here's the crazy She part. says you sound like your mother because she also, right. Because I make excuses about food and like uh-huh. how I'll, I'll complain about how, you know, because I, I do. I mean, I'm not boasting here. I work out all the time. Like, uh-huh. I have a gym membership. I do a ton of cardio and Aaron sees that. And I still complain about my weight. And she's just like, you know, well, you won't put down the fork. You, you make excuses to eat all the time and, yeah. you know, whatever. And she's right. And she's generally very easy on me. If but I that's- work out, though, that's all I'm doing. It's like I'm putting money into a bank that I can later withdraw as food. Exactly. You go on the – you, run, you like. run five miles and you're like at the, around the end of the – I've never run five miles in my – well, that's not true. <laughs> I've done that maybe once. At the end of the like five miles – Like I was miles, chasing you. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Full disclosure, I was being chased right. by a man <laughs> in a car yeah. shooting a gun at me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that Western dance kind of thing. <laughs> by the way, no one found that funny. When, when, a, when a drunk cowboy would shoot at your feet and go, dance, everyone was like, what a dick. <laughs> never, never not once did that get a laugh in a saloon. Right. Everyone's like, oh, fucking Barney. He got the improv theater courtesy laugh because he had the gun. Yeah, of course. Of course. And they knew- I'm killing. <laughs> <laughs> they love me. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's my bit. You see someone at, somebody at some point was the first person to do dance and shoot at your feet. And then he heard over an old stone someone else is doing right. They're doing Mama Tiro. <laughs> no, you better does he say Yeehaw? Yeah. Yeehaw is mine. Wait till he shoots somebody in the foot. Then we'll see how committed he is. Then we'll see. <laughs> That's my bit. <laughs> okay, oh, we're, we're oh emotional eating. Yeah, so I you know I de- I definitely think like uh, oh you you, I, you were relating that the idea that you work out there that you might eat whatever you want. yeah I mean I do well and and the fact that I just I I can't seem to this is going to sound so wussy Get I can't seem head. to I can't seem to make myself just have an extended period of healthy eating yeah like I just because I I go on the sort of roller coaster of I also associate food with so many good things. Like, and that's that's something I actually I don't I don't blame my parents for much, but mm-hmm. that's one thing I definitely think that I got because my mom especially was always about food was associated with everything. You know, she couldn't, uh-huh. she, and that that's not unique. It was a, a, to, about to, socializing. It was about calming yeah. down a well, little bit. Yeah, everything she would say is like, oh, well, let's all get together, let's all sit together and watch a movie, and we'll make popcorn and have hot dogs and hot chocolate. It wasn't right, just about right. like, why don't we all sit together and watch a movie or right, something. Right, right. And probably that's everybody, I guess. But No, I, I don't, don't think that is everybody. Uh, in fact, my, my family wouldn't eat uh, hot dogs during a movie or whatever, and I don't think that's weird. I just think there's types of family. For, uh, let me, let mm. me put it on me so you feel even more comfortable because I do think what you're saying is relatable. Food for us was the only time that the Holmes family weren't like at each other's throats sort of thing. I didn't grow up in fucking Vietnam, but uh-huh. like we would argue and stuff. Like we used to go on these uh, road trips in a Winnebago, right? Oh, and you can, it, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there, I do have some good memories from them, but most of those good memories are when we pulled over to eat because something mm-hmm. about our blood sugar, something about, I don't know what everybody needed, but like once you got to the table and started eating, Mm-hmm. Everybody cooled the fuck out, mm-hmm. and that's what. And I'm still to this day. I'll be in a relationship, and we start fighting or whatever. I'm like, let's go eat. We have to go eat like mm-hmm. now. <laughs> right. It's important that we go eat, and it's not always the solution. But it is harder to be angry at somebody when you're eating a grilled cheese. Right. You know what you're I mean, enjoying you're like, your- fuck you and your mother's stupid. This is crispy on your side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't normally like the tomato, but it's good. <laughs> How did they get it like this? <laughs> Dance. <laughs> <laughs> they do it to each other. That ain't how you do it. You dance two shots, dance one shot, close with three dances, and then a shot in the air. No, no, you're saying dance too much. <laughs> dance is assumed. And I don't need the accompaniment. Hey, piano player. <laughs> dance. Kill the piano player. <laughs> dance is assumed. You're speaking down to the audience. They know you're doing dance. You say dance once. Everyone knows the bit. If he stops dancing, feel free to say dance again. But until that happens, you're saying dance. The man's already dancing. The man is dancing. You save the bullet. You know who says dance? The bullets say dance. <laughs> A little tufts of dirt. <laughs> or say it quietly to yourself <laughs> as you fire. <laughs> If you have to say it. You need to. It's the old theater trick. Think fuck and don't say it. Think dance and don't say it. (laughs) That's that's... funnier than anything I've ever heard. (laughs) All we have is the moment, Chris. That's funny. You're right, though, about like, you know, 
families eating together, and that you know the other thing is calming people down. Yeah, it, it, you know, and my dad was probably no better. I mean, he ate whatever the hell he wanted. The th- you've met my parents, obviously. It's been a long time, I think. Uh, but yeah, like, got but it. my dad was the kind of guy who was he's he very di- built very differently than me. He was you know he's a tall guy, but he was right. always I mean he was 190 pounds from the time he was 22 until he was 45. Uh-huh. And he ate what he did not exercise. He ate whatever the hell he wanted, uh-huh. and you know. And then he had two bypass surgeries in his fifties. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying it's like he's a lesson to those of you who eat whatever the hell you want, yep. and you don't put on any weight because right. that was my dad. He's like six four. That's like Eddie Griffin had a had a you know the comedian Eddie Griffin. Mm-hmm. I think is it Griffin? Yeah, yeah the black guy from uh, Undercover Brother. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a copy in, the, in my bag. <laughs> I have one taped to my leg. <laughs> I can't be away from Undercover Brother. But he had a heart attack, and he's one. Of, and so, and Richard Pryor too. These are these skinny. Uh, I know they're, they're both black, and for right. medical purposes, I will clump them together as the medical community would. Two right. African American gentlemen, both underweight. Mm-hmm. having heart attacks. It's, it's just it, that, that terrifying. It's almost a good thing to be the type of person that gains weight because then you can be like, oh, fuck, I'm fat. On the inside, too, probably. You right. know what I mean? Like, I should look out for that instead of that svelte guy that on the inside it's like, you know, a clogged fucking garden hose yeah. filled with mayonnaise. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly. Ugh. So, But I guess, you know, my my dad, who had the, he had the issues, he was never a great example uh-huh. because he was never fighting the battle. He never felt like, I'm, right. I gotta lose weight. Right. So, you know, he was the guy who would bring home Kentucky Fried Chicken back right. when we called it Kentucky Fried Chicken right. for, you know, for dinner all you the time. You mean KFC? So, yeah, I think K- it's... KFC? No, I'll call it KFC. Yeah. <laughs> What's that stand for? Nothing. K stands for K. <laughs> F stands for F. Kitchen Fresh. Kitchen... Uh, they, they tried tr- that. Kitchen Fresh Chicken they tried for a while. That's not bad. That's not I'm, bad. I'm telling you, if I'm the CEO of KFC, and you come in and you're like, and it's Kitchen Fresh Chicken, and CEO now means cool electric organization, I'd be <laughs> yeah. like, yeah! I like both your pitches. And then I do a spin and shoot lasers, because uh, I'm the cool electric right. organization. What now. if it's like, uh, G- Kenny found chicken, and we just have a... a, a, a Kenny's our new spokesman. Hey, everybody! <laughs> Kenny found chicken! <laughs> you're reminding me, a, a good friend of mine in college, she, she and I were like really good friends, and she couldn't think of a, a birthday present for me, right? Uh-huh. And uh, we, were, we were close, and she was she, she considered trying to plant a personal joke between us about turtles. Like she was going to be like, ah, oh, man, you're slow like a turtle. Oh, turtle Pete. Turtle, turtle Pete. Pete. Like she didn't do this, but this is the idea. Uh-huh. Turtle, turtle Pete. And then on my birthday, give me a turtle <laughs> and be like, it looks like I'm bit. It's like our bit turtle, turtle Pete, turtle, turtle Pete, Pete, which is exactly what you're pitching for KFC. It's like, okay, we start a campaign with a rascal named Kenny who's always looking for chicken. I think you know where I'm going with this. Kenny found chicken. He found it. And everyone goes, mm, let's get some of that Kenny found. I'm in the mood for what Kenny's looking for. Where can I go to get some of that chicken that Kenny found? The slogans write themselves. Oh. But you're, you're, you're touching on something that I find very interesting, which is that we, I, I feel like it gets pretty good coverage, the idea of women and weight. Mm-hmm. And men also have this weird thing. Mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of guy friends that are like this. Hearing you talk this way isn't uh, surprising at all. And I do remember, <clears throat> I, I struggle with that a little bit. You know what I did? And it's so Los Angeles of me, but I did like a juice thing, like a juice fast mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm. And here's the only thing I'm not going to talk about this because I want to punch myself in the dick when I talk about mm-hmm. doing a juice fast. But it resets your palate. It makes you crave 
like cucumbers and shit. That's all I'm going to say. I believe it works. I did one of those with Aaron. You did? When we first moved out here thinking, hey, we live in California. Yeah, right? why not? They should do this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it was light. like six days you're supposed to do it. Well, the one we did, I don't remember. We had, yeah. And literally by day three, I was so freaking angry. Yeah, of and, course. And like, I start, we had to make these shakes, and I started adding chocolate sauce to my shakes. <sighs> it was so bad. I could not commit to it. I, and I don't mean to... No, no, no. You know, I, get I wish that. I could. I wish I could do it. And I'm, I'm not saying I will, never will because I try and do that kind of stuff. I'm not even me. saying you should. What did you, your doctor, you look fine. You no, don't well, that's very, very weight. nice of you to say. I, just, I don't think anybody's telling you to lose weight. No, if I stopped working out, honestly, yeah. I'd be about 320. You think so? By next Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what's funny? What, what you said, this is more interesting than any of this stuff. I, like, because you're probably like this too. One of the things I find is. One of the reasons sometimes it's hard for me to like eat better is because the kind of guy that I am, mm-hmm. people look at me as like a beer and chicken wing kind of guy. Yeah. So so often like my friends who might be doing the juice fast with yeah, their other yeah, friends yeah, yeah. come to me and like, hey, hey, you want to go get a beer? Yeah. And like, because I'm the one who you're they the, assume you're, you're the fast breaker. You're the breakfast guy. Yeah. Break that fast. Right. <laughs> you're, Break, exactly. you're breakfast Mars. I totally know what you mean. In fact, one time you and I were at an open mic in Chicago. Mm-hmm. This is kind of going into our origins story a little bit and you and I were leaving and there was some agent there and he, you had representation at the time you were booking a lot of commercials at the time and you still you still do I see you all the time oh, uh, sure 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 they're great they're, they're, and they're uh, fortunately very funny commercials That's oh great. thanks for isn't that fun yeah, it's lucky when you get one of those I guess right let's yeah. talk about that a little bit I'll write that down commercials uh, but we were walking out and this guy was like uh, do you have an agent because you performed and he liked you and he was like yeah and he was like yeah I'd put you in a beer commercial in a second and mm-hmm. I was like yeah that's exactly right. That's what Chris Mars looks like a beer and some wings. Right. I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm no, saying not that at all. That actually, I totally the, the American that. flag should be rippling behind you, <laughs> right. and then I'll hear a voice say, "Built Ford tough," you know, and some dusty logs are dropped. You know, like it yeah. makes it makes sense. I think I think you're right. I think being in this industry, you become so much more aware of how people see you. Yeah. You know what you're selling. Yes. And what you give off. I was just and, talking about that. And and I um, have discovered that over the years. Uh, not just with people in the industry, just yeah. with anyone, yes. just with my random friends. They look at me as that guy. Yes. Like, I know, I love cars, but I don't know much about them. But I get asked all the time, uh, hey, uh, hey, you know, Chris, uh, my, my car's making this noise. I'm like, I wish I could help you, man. I don't right? you know. Like, you know, like, because people think that I'm that guy. If I was like, I'm building a shed and I need some sort of level and a drill, I'd, I'd ask you. I absolutely <laughs> right. would. But that's because, okay, this is important. And it's not just show business. The, the show often transcends show business. I hope in that this applies to everybody knowing how you come off Mm -hmm. in life being able to uh be meditative enough and i just mean contemplative enough to step outside of yourself and be like i'm chris mars i look friendly Mm -hmm. i look like i want a burger i look like i want a beer i look like i can help you with your car and i would help you with your car you know what i mean right and and me and like i'm i'm aware of how i come off i i seem goofy i seem kind of sunshiny uh i probably have advil you know or or whatever i think you have you give a very similar vibe it is a very similar vibe that's probably why we got along right away Mm -hmm. and there's a power there's a currency in knowing how you come off as a performer we can either go with that or violate it either way it's funny if mm-hmm. you go up and you're just I, to be honest I, I often like it more when people go with how they look uh, but it, you could also violate it I've known very very sweet little girls that go up and they're filthy mm-hmm. that's the violation example uh, arguably you could say Sarah Silverman is that type of performer she looks like she's going to be you know she's got some rambunk in her eyes but the idea that sounds 
ram- sure, I know what you mean. Rambunctiousness. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of the. Oh, sorry, Sarah. But the idea. Ram what? <laughs> a ram came on her. Got, got, got some, some ram bunk in, in her eye. <laughs> Were you hiking? <laughs> you got a little ram bunk. Right here, right here in your eye. Yeah, you just a no, smidge no, of ram bunk. Other eye. No. <laughs> what was that, eagle bunk? <laughs> yeah, Jeez, like, where were you? <laughs> You were deep and not covered by trees. Uh, rambunctious. So, so she's violating it. But guys like you and I, I think, uh, in our careers and also personally, mm-hmm. ha- have enjoyed the, the straight and narrow path of being like, I look friendly. I am friendly. Come be friendly with me. Right. And you're that same sort of thing. You look like you want a beer. And, and that's an asset. You've taken that into the commercial world and you've taken that into the performance world. Mm-hmm. And 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 – most of the time, that is true of me. Right. That's, I yes. do love having a beer and a burger and right. whatever. But with the food thing, sometimes it's funny because it, that then it struggles. It's like it's only, oh, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy this week. And then right. Thursday night we're going out to the well, nobody watch likes, the draft or whatever. It's called Fun Fat. We, I talked to Joe DeRosa and Big J Okerson, and, and Big J is big. He's actually lost quite a bit of weight. Um, so he's just regular J Okerson now. But back when Big J was really Big J, you know, he's a fat guy. Uh, Joe and I used to talk about how he was the worst kind of fat guy because you want your fat guys to be fat guys. Mm -hmm. You know, you want those guys that you can call and be like, we're going to the pancakes house. They're having fucking pint beer for our nickel. And you you drink and you go and fat guy makes it okay because you're with a fat guy and he's really going to town. He's had five plates of pancakes. You've only had three. He's great. He'll be our whipping boy. He'll be our whipped cream boy. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So I know what that is. Uh, Duncan Duncan Trestle, who uh, we became closer friends by doing these podcasts together he and i were getting into a bad way where every time we hung out we would get loaded because we love talking about really wild stuff and something about getting really wild let's let's have some drinks and like really let this off the chain but then i was like then every time i called him to hang out i was i was like drinking pete you know what i mean and you don't want to do that i actually wanted i was like let's go for a hike we have to break this pattern we can't just be the alcoholic friends i want to have like a real friendship it's dangerous when you become that guy and you're totally, and you're yeah. that guy. I mm-hmm. want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings with you right now. <laughs> Can so we? Why? <laughs> you know what? Actually, they just opened one. This is so sick. They just opened one, literally, a four minute walk from my house. Oh my god! It's ridiculous. I've been there quite a few times. Just under wings. five minutes, which is too far to walk. Any right. fan of Buffalo Wild Wings isn't going to do the five, but they'll no. do the four. They'll do the four. <laughs> you come back about thirty eight wings heavier. <laughs> And a five-minute walk would be tough. Good Lord in heaven. <laughs> you know what someone just told me about McDonald's and, and, and fast food places in general is the pink goo thing? Have you pink heard slime, that? yeah. Pink slime. Yeah. So you know about that and you still eat it? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> no, no. I, no I, 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 you know, it's so funny. We talk so much about McDonald's and I don't mean to. I have a cousin who's in Can, P- PR with them. Oh, really? Can I just interject and say what pink slime is? It's like bo- yeah, go ahead. bones and guts and shit ground up into this pink goo that's into the meat to thicken it up and make your burger 69 cents. It's funny. I did a ton of actual research on it because I yeah, l- okay. literally I wrote – it didn't go anywhere, but I wrote a sketch about it. I wrote a sketch about uh, Pink Slime Industries. <laughs> like the, how It was kind of like The Office, but it was about how they now are like six people and they're trying to survive and they uh-huh. have, you know, whatever. So I, I, lo- I did a lot of research on that. And I say all this, and I do have good stretches where I will completely avoid you sure, know, sure, sure. Yep, and stuff. Sure. But like um, – 
you know, this is going to be what so if, boring for the poor weirdos to, no, to listen about me, my eating habits. No, never, never worry. They're su- <laughs> such a delightful audience. But uh, what, what did you learn about pink slime? Oh, just yeah, the, that that it, it it is the the big issue with it, other than it being kind of gross, that it's kind of all the all the discarded pieces that are kind of still considered edible is that they treat it with ammonia Ugh. to get. I know it's, it is disgusting, <laughs> and then they use it as a filler. Ugh. And I think now, because of the hubbub about it, it is out of pretty much everywhere. Oh, really? In the U.S., I, mean, I shouldn't say everywhere, but it, you know, they shut down two gigantic plants. And wait, there were pink slime plants? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like an additive. They would use it to oh, to basically fuck beef me. up, make a burger, or more so than the fast food places, it was a it was at the grocery stores that they would actually uh, mix it in with ground beef and stuff to to add weight. Fuck you. And it was technically beef, but it was treated with, you know, it was all the, the trimmings. It was all the end pieces. Yeah, and I don't know yeah, if there yeah. was bone in there. I can't remember that. Somebody part, told me bone, but I mean, it, sounds it like, may have been. It sounds like you know what you're saying. And I did this. So my, my buddy, uh, a friend of mine and I, a while back, wrote a uh, short. We were He was working with uh, KFC, actually. As a, uh, he, had, he had pitched KFC. Kenny found? Yeah, Kenny found. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This was so stupid, but he was—he's an ad guy, and he was doing some work with them, and pitched them the idea of this uh, of a of a web series about like trans fat corporation when they got rid of trans fat, and uh-huh. so we sort of took that idea. Oh, it didn't go, slime. and then re- reworked it with pink slime, and then it did all this. I, 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 look, I, I'm a bit of a food snob, and also at the same time not like I'll go to the movies and eat Skittles, and I don't give a fuck. You know, mm. not that Skittles are the worst thing in the world, I guess. But like, I often feel. But I saw that movie. Uh, ooh, what's it called? King Corn. Mm. And it's just about how corns and everything and how uh, high fructose corn syrup and all this sort of stuff. And the people that I feel bad for in any profession are people that aren't allowed to speak truthfully. In that group, I include the clergy. People that, like, in their job description can't be like, "Eh, you know, it probably wasn't in – Jonah wasn't in a fucking whale. It's just a story. You know what I mean? Like, can't do that as a tow a company line of truth. Right. And can't say what he actually thinks necessarily. Not all churches are that way, but some would get upset if you went out against a certain Bible story. Similarly, uh, when they interview someone on camera uh, for high fructose corn syrup, and this happens in that movie King Corn, and they're like, it's uh, bad, and it's made with acid, and it'll burn you, and it's not natural. And she has to sit there, this poor woman, whose job is to represent a corporation. Uh I actually have pity for this person. She's a person, too. She wants to be like, yeah, it fucking sucks, but it's cheap, and everyone wants it, and we make it. Sorry. That's what she'd like to say, but she has to be like, High fructose corn syrup is a great way to take the bitterness out of t- uh, out of tomato sauce. You know what I mean? Like has to say that sort of shit. Although that's true, I find that <laughs> you, you just have, you have the flour, the sugar, high fructose yeah. corn syrup. I, yeah, I feel so. I, I totally agree with you. I find myself watching any. I feel like the food docs have become kind of a, a hot thing. Yeah, in the sure. Last few years. But like, I always feel sorry for the people who feel sort of ambushed or they like they know. Yeah. Also, like in uh, Bowling for Columbine, when they go to Walmart headquarters and and Michael Moore is like, "This is the kid. He's got Walmart bullets in." him look i think that's great and it brought attention to a very good issue sure. and I, i'm on michael moore's side pretty much but at the same time i feel so bad for fucking kathy yeah. kathy is not right upper management <laughs> right. kathy's on the fucking killing floor and she's making <laughs> six bucks in it or whatever right. the fuck no, exactly. and she has to feel michael moore who talks for a living and has to be talk to a fucking kid in a wheelchair mm-hmm. so uh, a fat 
uh, sorry, that's not relevant. A huge <laughs> uh, personality. Like, that's actually right. kind of yeah. what I meant. Like, a big yeah. fucking star of uh, expose journalism and a child in a wheelchair that everybody's heart is broken for come into your lobby and are like, uh, Walmart sold these bullets. And what the fuck can she say? She can't say, I know it's fucked up. Walmart sells bullets. We're fucked up. She has to represent. Right. Wrong place, wrong time, kid. <laughs> what can you say? Right, exactly. And the cameras are on. You can't even lean in and be like, look, off the the record i agree with you it's fucked up she right. has to be like well you know a uh, low quality and uh, or low price high quality bullets are uh, bring a uh, food to your table <laughs> people are hunting and walmart is committed to quality right. and kenny found chicken is in many of the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> current, current walmart now have food on the like she just any anybody that can't be real yeah. it kills me and it's your job to not be honest and a lot of jobs have dishonesty in them totally yeah. Even uh, I, I suppose you do a lot of commercials, and there are times when you don't like the product or whatever. Yeah, or you know, there's times when you feel like, God, this is stupid. Or it's stupid, yeah. But you know, you know, it's just it's your work. Yeah, it's your job. Let's let's talk a little bit about commercials. Let's, let's you you yeah. do that a, a lot, and you have consistently, and it's probably uh, because of this look that we've mentioned, and also. Yeah. I'd love to hear you speak about your experiences with improv and auditioning because in, I'll very briefly just to, to buffer it or Please whatever that means, everything I've ever gotten was because I improvised and uh, go. I would say exactly the same thing. I yeah. would say, especially for commercial stuff. I mean, I you know we talk about having a look and I think you and I both have a, a good look for that right. type of work. And so that has played a major part. But like the commercial work that I've done historically is all, you know, it's, it's either comedy or supposed to be comedy. Right, right, right. And... I learned at some point that auditioning in the in the commercial audition improv was the best tool that you had and right. especially if not just if you could go in there and make them laugh but especially being able to sort of improvise within the context of their idea isn't that fucking well put man people all the time I'll, I'll bring friends in to do an e-trade spot with me mm -hmm. and they're always betraying the concept right you know what i mean you so for anybody interested in any type of audition know your audience any any audition any any presentation the type there's a certain type of humor that's allowed uh nobody wants to hear the baby be made fun of or call him out as a baby or say what well, do you know your baby or did you shit your pants i'm like have you ever seen these commercials improvise <laughs> in the way that the commercial would allow exactly yeah. and you can't make fun of the product i've been i've been in commercial auditions uh with people and they make fun of the product and i'm like you realize they show this the the people pulling the trigger on whether or not you're going to make blah blah thousand dollars this year from this afternoon of work right are the people who actually talk about having to lie for a living love wheat thins they right. love wheat thins wheat thins bought their heated driveway bitch <laughs> right. stop making fun of them right. they cut the roof of your mouth shut up Improvise yeah. in another way. Did that way. happen? Have you heard somebody say that in the? I mean, I've I've had that experience where people have bad mouth. That I'm just curious about the wheat thin. It wasn't wheat thin it wasn't wheat thin specifically. I'm trying to remember what it was. But when you're in that situation, you just give a Jim Halpert to the camera. Like that's yeah, what I would do. I would look at it and I'd shrug and I'd go, "I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. With it's this not camera. me. What do I do? I've also had. I'm, I'm talking too much. You talk. No, not at all. I'm just so excited to see you. It's, too, actually, it's actually you genuine. I'm like, not, not, not everybody. Me too. To stay there for a chatters. second, it has been way too long, and it's funny I because I know we um, those old it's, friends. It, look, I've got you know my life is so yeah. tied up with kids and stuff now. But um, I remember when you first got to LA, we had lunch and we talked about those lame LA people who just have lunch once a year. Yeah, and, and, now and now how we wouldn't. That's do exactly that. what we do. <laughs> like, and like, now, totally dare do. I say, I've made it one worse because you were like, "Let's get lunch," and I said, "Let's do the podcast." 
<laughs> I fucking can't talk. That's not true. I have nice conversations off mic, and I'm trying to be more deliberate about that. But I'd rather it exist. Yeah. This sort of catching up. Okay, let's let's talk a little. Uh, let's go talk okay, about well, improv the, the, and commercials, yeah, and then, but, then we'll do the origin story. Well, I think the, um, you know, I think that's the key. Like I started looking at it as if, in a sense. You, you, when you go in, and you know, you, usually if you're going for a commercial audition, they're going to give you a chance to do the script a, a couple right. times. And, as is. Yeah, as is. And so usually kind of do one as is. Or I'll say now, I'll just ask them right. It was okay to play around with this a little bit. Right. And sometimes they're. Because isn't it? It's my understanding that sometimes they can't say improvise. I wink, think that's like wink, wink. Yeah, that's always to. the. You know, every now and then a casting director will say that. I've heard that many times. I don't know if it's urban legend or if it's accurate. Right. That they cannot ask you technically to improvise. But I have right. never. And I've also heard people say. That if you improvise in a commercial, you are technically quote supposed to be paid as a writer. That to me is complete urban legend because I've never. I I am for E Trade. Okay. Oh, yeah. you are paid as a writer. Then okay. Yeah. Well, well, I'm kidding. I, I'm I'm paid as a specific type of writer, and it's the ad lib writer. It's okay. it's not a writer writer. Is it like well, not to I don't I don't know what the number is, but it's not what I've heard like uh, half a session fee. Which for those of you, who, a session fee is like any of your day rate as a commercial. I, I guess I, all I know is uh, if I can, I'd actually like to take a moment to say that I never asked for that. I don't think we fought for that. E Trade was straight up, and they were like, "Look, this is going to be a lot of improv, and that's why we want people to do it." And they they put it in the contract. No, that's which great. Is amazing. That's awesome. I think that. Uh, I, but I've had, you know, but but I'm with you. Never hear about it, and you yeah. hear about people that improvise and they don't book it, and then their line is in the commercial. You yeah, which I, you know, and I, and I definitely believe that happens, and it's happened to me where I've seen commercials where like something I did in the audition was in there. But I don't, I do not believe it was just me because I look. They're seeing. Fifty to a hundred guys, and yes, and I, and and half these guys I know from the community. There is no doubt that twenty guys could have come in there and had that same hilarious line. Yep. about Verizon that I did. Of course. So there's not it, that. See, that's that. Chris is why one of the we've uncovered right there one of the reasons why I believe you're successful in show business. That cancer of hate, that cancer of conspiracy and sabotage. It's in the way. It Let does it get go. In the way. Yes, move. Forward, they took my line. You get an audition, and then you go in with a bad attitude. Were you going to steal my line? You right. fucking just lost. I, I totally agree. And I have I, I know guys who do who say that kind of shit all the time. Yeah, and it drives me a little crazy because I just feel like, dude, you know, look, if you're if you're good enough, there's enough work for all of us. Yes, you know, we're all going to find it, and, and th- you have no idea if that's what happened. If that if it was yeah. you who said it, and they wanted to. What do it. right there? We make a choice, mm-hmm. right? And uh, again, Malcolm Gladwell alert in the book. Uh, I believe it was in Outliers. They talk about these two different guys, and 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 one was a success, and one was a failure. I'm going to take this very very briefly. And interviewing them both, they're both geniuses. Mm-hmm. Basically, it came down to how they interpreted things when bad things happened to them. One mm-hmm. of them interpreted a bad thing happening to him, and he was like, well, nobody will help me, and the world is over. So he'd quit. And the other th- guy, when a bad thing would happen to him, wouldn't, just wouldn't let it get to him. I know this is like this Captain America cliche, whistle while you work bullshit, but it's, kind of, it's true, man. You have a choice. If something happens and it's out of your control, you'll never know why you didn't book that commercial. You can either go, I'm a piece of shit and I blew it, 
Or you can go, I must have not looked right or like something out of my control. What can I do? Move forward. Right. And, and that's empowering to realize that in those more vulnerable moments, you have a choice on how to interpret it. And you can train yourself. I really believe you can train yourself. It's a little bit of a delusion. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. You're either going to delude yourself into being a failure or delude yourself into being more successful. So choose right. the latter. No, I, t- I totally agree with that. And I th- it's funny because I, th- I have gotten very successful, I think, in applying that to auditioning mm-hmm. in general. It's a little bit with TV and film, I'm able to kind of let it go or whatever, especially with commercial work. It's just like, oh, this wasn't, this right. wasn't the one. And sure. I, I, don't, I don't ever take it personally and I yeah. don't ever get upset about right. it. Right. But there's a lot of rejection. Yes. That, that's, that's, I mean, look, if, you're, if, you are, you know, if you are the best commercial booker in the universe, you're booking one out of five or six. So that right. means all this time you're getting rejected. You're you know? getting five no's and one yes. Yeah, I mean, and so, uh, you know, who knows what the real numbers are, but like, um, but I, when it comes to life in general, it's funny, because I often, I don't take, comes back to that, maybe that Catholic guilt, like I often, if, if something goes wrong, I'm always looking internally, like what can I do, what did I do wrong, mm-hmm. or what can I do better, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, a lot of other people and you want are, redemption, you want to make it right somehow. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's interesting, I'm not familiar uh, with Malcolm Gladwell, but I have a theory about commercial auditioning that I call the 10,000 hour theory. <laughs> and if you have done... Wait, you, you don't know Malcolm Gladwell? No, I'm not familiar. This is but your no. theory. I, of... I used to know a lot of hockey players. Uh-huh. And one thing, I, one, one thing I noticed about those wait, wait, guys... Wait, wait, you noticed this? Yeah, was this their birthdays? Is this a birthday? Yes, did you notice that as well? Yeah, but you haven't read Outliers because that's like the first thing in the no, book. I, I saw the movie Outliers. I thought, you know... There's a movie Outliers? Yeah, the, with uh, the, the greasers and then the... <laughs> the no, this is a bad bit. Of course, no. I'm, I'm really bad bit. Really no, bad bit. Dance, <laughs> the, that, the guy heckling. Dance is assumed after the first dance. Heckling. Cowboy bit yeah. heckler. Oh, God. That, that's worth, you know, this is a free podcast, right? <laughs> it's already worth $15 because of that bet. No, that, that's a great thing. Uh, what, you were talking about the audition. You made well, the commercial audition. A billion different things. Yeah, we went in a different direction, but I just think that, like, you know, I, auditioning is like that. Like, you, you mentioned outliers, and this wasn't my original point, but it is like that. When The more you rack up, the more comfortable you get. Right, and that's right, why I think right. when you – it's hard, like, even, you know, I've been on a gazillion commercial auditions, but you go a month or two without one, and you go yeah. in there, and it's like, you know – Get rusty. Yeah, you get a little rusty. But, I mean, not as much with commercials. I mean, I've been, I've been very lucky in commercials. I've yep. been very fortunate. What I realized at some point – and. What I didn't get about this industry that I get more now, and, I, and I've always looked at commercials as kind of my bartending job. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, but I, I've met so many wonderful people doing them, and like, I really mm-hmm. enjoy it. It's fun, and it's a great way to make uh, a living yeah, but while allow, you're trying to do other stuff. Allow the thought. Yeah, it's a bartending job. Right, it, but it's a bartending It's a bartending job. job that you're grateful for, but I'd like to give you the green light to complain about a great job. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it, I mean that. Yeah. I, 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 what you're saying is you want to be – a television and film actor, and I know you yeah. want to produce and develop, and you have wonderful ideas and sketch right. ideas, and there is a certain stigma. Here's something you hear actors say that make, probably makes your blood uh, heat up a little bit, which is like, I don't do commercials. People also do, I don't do television. You know what I mean? There's different levels right. of status where you get to that point where it's like, I don't know anybody that says it. I do hear things. that. No, I, I've heard that many times. I've heard that, and I just think, uh, okay. Yeah. You know? Right. I got to eat. Right, right, right. You know? And I, and I feel like... Um, I, I understand it, but I mean, also I've been lucky enough to do a lot of really funny stuff. Like I right. get to guys like us, we get to go and be funny right. in a commercial 
situation. It's not. I I don't envy dramatic actors for a billion reasons, and one of them is you do that Excedrin commercial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You just get to work, and already the boss is yelling. Something hits you right here. <laughs> When I reach in the drawer, <laughs> I can't do it. Without <laughs> reach in the drawer, and that little rattle of that blue bottle lets me know, hey, hang in there. It's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be that fucking heartbeat. You are a, a glorious yesender. Oh, a yesender. A <laughs> yesender? Yeah, what I love that. Yes, Andrew. Yes, Andrew. <laughs> yes, we said yes, Andrew. I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> no, but I think. Um, it's funny with commercials. Here's the weird thing about it. Like I've you know, been lucky to do a ton of them. In the industry, they are completely – they're seen as a different medium altogether. Right. They're not TV. They're not film. N- nobody necessarily like l- that I've met professionally looks down on me for having done them. They just don't give a shit. Right. Like no – It doesn't count as anything. It doesn't count as anything. It's on your resume. Full list available. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never brag about it. I'm never telling anybody. You know, I, you know, I think my agents and manager types on the other side know that I'm making a living. Right. Because they know that I'm doing a lot of that. But they don't – you know, occasionally you do one that's really funny or cool or whatever. I've been lucky enough to be in this campaign. Um what is that for? It's for it's with. Well, I'm uh, in one for Farmers Insurance, which is really fun. And then uh, I don't know if I should even mention the names as we say. You know, this is another commercial actor thing. Sometimes you get a little sensitive about like I'm right. not going to say something that they hear and they're going to uh, be upset about. I've been on podcasts like Doug Loves Movies and stuff, and I've done a bit with the E Trade Baby, and then I'm like, you got to take that out. Yeah. Like I get really paranoid about that. But for the most part. Uh, yeah, yeah for the most part, about. everybody I work with is really cool. I'm, I'm in this other one for a, a, a big, uh, not farmers, another one, but that we do is actually almost 100 percent improvised. Yeah, and it's been so fun. We've done a ton of spots. We're gonna do. We're supposed to do a ton more, and like that experience has been really cool. And that we've done a lot of web stuff for that. So that feels more like it gets closer and closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Been doing that with a guy named Joe Hartzler. I don't know if you know Joe at UCB. Oh, really so. funny. Yeah, yeah. Really funny. You know what's funny is that we just stumbled into what I was talking about. We just stumbled into my own high fructose corn syrup or my own Joan and the Whale pastor story is when you get to eat. If you had me on a show and we're like, so E-Trade, that sucks, right? You know what I mean? Like even saying that as a joke, I, right. I'm like, ah, ah, I love you, E-Trade. It's weird, man. We all have our things. We all do. Here it, I thought I was living this rebellious, I can say anything, anything. man. Can you? Can right. you say anything? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, it does. That's how that's how it gets uncomfortable in that world. But you luckily, know, I'm not doing a, a fucking campaign for like horrible. I don't know what's a terrible product you wouldn't want to endorse. Yeah, Fanta. Yeah. I don't like probably done like a commercial for it, so I don't want to say it. <laughs> but I like your E Trade T-shirt you're wearing today. <laughs> Thanks, man. The Shankopotamus. But anyway, I mean that's that's kind of commercial world. I mean, we you know we we like, and I'll keep doing them as long as they let me do them because it's like sure. I mean, it's, it's been fun. What I was going to say before is what I've been really blessed with is the fact that I there's three or four commercial directors who I've gotten to know very well. Mm-hmm. What I what I n- underestimated going in is how important it is to have a director who likes you. Right. So there's guys I've worked he can for, push for you literally four, five, six times, and and you know you you, you know get what a, does that go back to? One of the adages of success that we come to. Every time we talk about this, and it's actually been a while, I'm glad we're talking about strategy of success, is not being a dick. Yes. Don't be a dick, Be you easy dick. to work with and cool. Fucking show up to the set and you're upset there's not an omelet bar. Enjoy your first and last commercial, you idiot. Exactly. Fucking be nice. Relax. Look, you should be nice because it's good to be nice. Right. It's also incredibly selfish and helpful to be nice. You should. It's great. It'll help you out. 
Oh, God. I think there's so something fun. about the experience. And, and, you know, it's true in TV, but it's also true. When you work on a commercial, look, they treat you great. You get all sorts of great right, food. Right. Everybody on the crew is sort of, you know, making sure you're comfortable. Right. And I think some actors let that go to their head way too fast. Real fast. And they, it's like, dude, like, I'm always like, you know, I see a crew guy. I'm like, hey, you need a hand with that. And they're kind of like, no, no, I'm good. Don't of worry. Of course. You know, because that's how I feel. I feel somewhat again. I and, feel, I don't like, I don't deserve this. You uh, And look, I don't know if that's, uh, again, I'm always going to the Catholic thing. But I also have that too. There's, you, and it's good to have that. Mm-hmm. I remember, I'll never forget actually talking to this girl who was talking about how she was shooting something. It was a commercial or whatever. And she was just like, I love being on set. I just love it. I was walking around and they had an umbrella because it was sunny. So somebody's job was to follow me with an umbrella. So I you know, because I can't get, I can't get a suntan. <laughs> right. I can't. It's a continuity issue. And I was having a very vivid fantasy of lighting her on fire. <laughs> like well, just because of continuity, a, though. You can't <laughs> <see>. <laughs> just the little, just like the hem of her coat, I just light it, and then she's too oblivious to put it out, and she just goes up in flames. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a horrible thing to say, but she was just making me so uncomfortable about that part of show business. That in, it, it's entitlement. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants entitlement. You know what people do love? The guy that's on set who could sit down and drink a fucking Fanta and wants to help the crew guy with the smoke box or mm-hmm. whatever they got. Right. That's great. Fucking relax. Look outside of yourself. Sometimes if you're being delayed or whatever, it's because other people are freaking out and there's something you can do to help. And maybe that's just get out of the way and don't complain. Right. Maybe that's easy. It's great, man. It, 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 it's like an opportunity. If you're in a high-status position mm-hmm. and you're a high-status person and you don't cash that check, you don't pull the, do you know who I am? I'm talking about really big, too, if you get right. really big. Right. It's beautiful. That's, yeah. that's grace. And I, uh, that's uh, those are the people that I love. I've had the opportunity to work with, a, as you have as well, I'm sure, work with a number of you know big celebrities on various things. Right. And the ones who are like that are the ones like, my God, that guy's cool. Isn't that the best? Yeah. You hear a story of George Clooney kicking it with you and mm-hmm. like giving you his Diet Coke. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be weird, but it's the name of the show. I actually think that's the, the oldest story in the book. That's the story of religion. Jesus never said, hey, fuck off, I'm the son of God, and turned everyone into goats. Right, right. Presumably he could have, or at least have been like, disciples, get them. You know what I mean? (laughs) But instead, that's the story. Peter, Paul. (laughs) Guy's looking at me. Luke, (laughs) fix this guy up. I fucked him up pretty bad. John, write something. (laughs) (laughs) I I employed my knowledge that Luke was a doctor. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But I think people love that story. People love the story of having power and not abusing it. People love story of high status acting low. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those who should be served serving is in our DNA to like it. And I know it's kind of absurd, and that's what I'm enjoying about this. But if you meet Leonardo DiCaprio and he's nice to you, Mm -hmm. that's this Best back rub I ever got. (laughs) (laughs) That's a weird reflection of of God's love for us. Right. I'm not saying celebrities are gods at all. No, but I know exactly what you mean. I'm saying that's one one billionth... Humility from someone who you don't expect it is the most endearing thing. Yes, exactly. If you're nice and you're an idiot, it doesn't mean as much to me is if you're nice and you're Bill Gates right. and you could have me eliminated for breaking into your house. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, just Yet- two guys, one guy in the other guy's bed. <laughs> <laughs> the guy standing up with his hand on the phone could call nine one one. 
but chooses not or to. Or say, computer, eliminate him. <laughs> right. And then I'm just vaporized, like War of the World style. <laughs> that That's the real stuff. That's the juice is when you get to a point where you could – uh, end your foes and you bestow grace. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a weird way, a Leonardo DiCaprio back rub is similar. It's in the same, it's on the same planet as God forgiving you for something. It's really, yeah, it's so true. I, it's almost like in some ways the expectation is we have this weird expectation that somebody with a higher status is not going to be right. cool or nice to us. Right. Even if most of the time they are, right. you still are always so pleasantly surprised right. and charmed by it. And, but like, isn't I guess I, I, I want to keep this kind of going towards God. Isn't that the kind of God? That's certainly the kind of God I would like to believe in. Is mm-hmm. the God that could people love Jonathan Edwards? Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards was the original fire and brimstone preacher, and he wrote this essay. I, I believe something in the eyes of a fearful, fearful. Some I don't know. Doesn't matter. He talked about God is a man, and he's holding you in his hand, and you're a spider over a fireplace. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's doing that. Maybe his hand's cold. Yeah. And you keep biting his hand, and he wants to dump you into the fire, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he will if you keep biting him. Like he wa- he, That's what was fucked up about that essay to me, right. was that God wants to squash you. He, not only that, he not wants just, to... Just because you're biting or not because... Because you're biting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's, I guess he's holding you and saving you from the fire, and you keep biting him, which makes him want to dump you into the fire. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was so troubled by that. <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. And it, because I was like, who am I that I could even annoy God? Like, the idea that my sin annoys God was a weird thought to me. Right. That God is up in, in heaven being perfect and all-powerful and all-knowing. All-knowing, mm-hmm. yet... I shoplift a, a payday bar and I'm biting his hand and that annoys him? Mm-hmm. That, I, I, that was, I had too much direct access to this man. <laughs> what are we in a movie theater and I'm snapping my gum? He's God. You right. know what I mean? He can tune it out. <laughs> that's, a, oh, that's a really interesting <laughs> Sorry, I'm Put laughing. your headphones on, yeah. God. <laughs> Turn the volume up. <laughs> right. Just do something with your hand and the volume goes right. up. Or don't use your hand. It's like you're just every time you sin. Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Exactly. Does that hurt? Isn't that fucking weird? It is weird. I I had not heard that story. I, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting. It's a t- uh, it's terrifying. And, and yeah. pe- pe- people that have that God, I don't envy that. Mm-hmm. I don't. En- it, it seems masochistic and weird. And the and the people that I knew that believed and enjoyed that type of God uh, had some of that. Please please punish me. I I, I hate myself. I want to be hated by God too. That's interesting. I that was not. That was not like the the god that I grew. I up wouldn't with. imagine. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I think, think very few people actually have that Jonathan Edwards god. Well, tell me about but, yours. Well, I think you tell know, me about your god. I, I think I, I think you and I are alike in this way. Where I grew up with this weird feeling. I mean, I felt guilty and stuff, but I also always felt like you know the rules didn't totally apply to me because I felt like. God knows I'm a good person. Yes. Even if I do some of these things that I'm not supposed to do, right. I, I would feel guilty or, or, you know, like shame or whatever in the moment sometimes. But like I never felt – I've never lived with a fear of God. I believe in God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody has their own relationship with God. I, I'm, I, I consider myself Catholic. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will say – I'm not particularly religious. A lot of people will say now, I feel like, especially out here, it's like everyone's, I, the, the, the phrase I always hear is I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. My brother and I have actually kind of debated about this because he's got a very back and forth relationship with the church, I think. And, and I, th- I, know, I understand why people say it because it suggests a familiarity with the upbringing and, right. and, and yet you, well, that, you're kind of acknowledging that you're not really, you don't really consider yourself Catholic at this right, point. Right, right, right. 
I, what I've done is I say I consider myself culturally Christian. That, that's the thing. That's how I, okay, I yeah, envy the Catholics. Yeah. You can say I'm Catholic and no one's like, ooh, what, back off, spiritual Joe. They're mm-hmm. just like, oh, he's Catholic. Yeah, he's Catholic. He was raised Catholic. He'll always be Catholic. Whereas if you're a Christian, people think – if you say I'm Christian, that, is, that definitely assumes a belief. You can't just be like – you know what I mean? Catholic, right. Catholic feels more like a club that varying degrees of uh, involvement – you yeah, I I, I I think that's fair. I think that you. I mean, I think yeah, being labeled a Christian now, especially in places like California, frankly, sure. is mm-hmm. is it it brings a lot of baggage with it, right? But I also have felt, I think I felt out here at times like a lot of sort of what I think is kind of anti-Catholic sentiment. Hmm. Um, I and, and I don't know. Maybe I'm imagining it. I don't know. But like, I feel like I have felt ashamed at times, like on Ash Wednesday. You know, mm-hmm. if we get ashes or something. Mm-hmm. I'm, I look. I'm not a great Catholic. I don't go to church every Sunday. Which I but you will do the yeah. the ash. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if I remember, or my wife reminds me. Yeah, right. Aaron's much more. She's much more um, Catholic. Catholic. You know, she's much more. <laughs> <under the>, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, we gotta go to church. Well, my what my ex and I used to say about Aaron was one time she said, "I gotta get my Bailey's bag." It was her, her bag for Bally's. Yeah. That was a bit that uh, my ex and I had for years. We'd go, Bailey's bag? Where's oh, my Bailey's bag? It's the greatest thing to say in a Midwestern accent ever. Go <laughs> on, Bailey's bag. No, so I guess, I don't know. Like I always felt like God, um, to me, was, I've never felt like there was. it was an angry God. I felt like mm-hmm. it was a forgiving one. I, I, I kind of got into that tip, too. The idea where it's like, I know I'm kidding. My friends know I'm kidding. How could this, how could this God fellow be so... Uh, uninformed mm-hmm. as to know the real quality of my heart when I say say anything and he could look and see what I really meant by that, the real intention of what I was doing in that moment, even though I said motherfucker or whatever. How, mm-hmm. how could that just make God go, oh, you just bit my hand again. I want to dump you into the fire. I'd like to think, and I actually know for certain, if there is this type of God happening, he definitely knows what's going on. Sure. He can't know less than your friend Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie <laughs> knew you were joking, and God's going to throw you in a lake of fire? Fucking Ronnie forgave you. <laughs> right. Ronnie didn't give a shit. How much bigger then is God than fucking Ronnie? Right. Ronnie still sucks his thumb. <laughs> right. Right. You know? and, and I would, you know, especially when it comes to, like, joking around and stuff, I would definitely... Think. Look, this, this is the, this is the. If, if if that God exists, this is the personality and the sense of humor that He bestowed upon. Right. Me. Yeah, like that, this yeah. is also coping mechanism for right. so much of us to deal with. Well, that, that's one of the things I was going to ask. I wonder uh, if if a religious upbringing helps people get into comedy. A lot of people that I know uh, that grew up religious and, and guilt with some of that guilt, with some of that uh, flair for redemption that we were talking about, and forgiveness and uh, an awareness of our actions and our thoughts meaning something to somebody. The original audience, God and the angels. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. This idea that our thoughts are being monitored and presented, and therefore should be refined and then questioned and re evaluate and all this sort of stuff and then represent it and hopefully in a better way. I think that's the stuff of a performer. I also think that that the guilt that I had uh, over whatever it was that I was doing, if I was shoplifting, I shop I went through a brief shoplifting phase when I was uh, in junior high. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes I think then I get addicted to guilt and then I get addicted to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then there's something in the structure of me like uh, let's say last night I got a little drunk. I had maybe two or th- two or three drinks more than I ought to. I don't. I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that drunk, but it's, it's not important. So then I wake up today, and I'm kind of looking for forgiveness for this thing that no one's even aware of. You, Chris Mars, hugging me when I come in. I'm like, that's part one. 
of me being accepted as a human again. A mm. laugh that I get from Katie will be banked. Isn't this weird? Yeah, it is it's yeah. fucking bizarre. But I'm trying to but I re- understand it. I restructure totally understand it. my a- accepting myself. Mm-hmm. So guilt and Christian guilt, my, which is my brand and your brand, I think is another kind of fuel that helps the comedy machine run. Mm-hmm. I think. Because I'm, I'm looking for laughs and people going, he's okay, mm-hmm. even though we know he's a bedwetter. You know what right. I mean? I'm, I, I'm not a bedwetter. No, but. I totally th- – it's really interesting. I totally think that that is true. I hadn't thought of it as much that way. Well, we're breaking it open. Yeah, we're breaking it wide open. Yeah, yeah you know, it's so uh, – it's funny. I don't I, – I can feel so closed off at times to like these types of ideas and stuff. Or, yeah. or removed maybe from that upbringing. Sure. But uh, I, I definitely think that there's a lot of truth in that. Like – the guilt that you're looking for, you're constantly looking for that validation that everything's okay. Like yes. you, you can say these things and it's funny. And it's like when people are laughing or enjoying you, yes, or endorsing, say, you. endorsing you. Yes. That there's, you don't have to feel guilty about it because they're job. telling you it's great. Yeah. And, and we, we were raised in a structure where we wanted God and Jesus and everybody to say, good job. Good job. This is my son of whom I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Jesus fucking killed it at his baptism. Slade. I love this podcast. <laughs> let's talk about our origin story because yeah, I, I'm, con- I'm not concerned at all, but I would like to get it out there no, how do, you yeah. and I met. You and I, uh, you are Chicago if it were a person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, you got—is it broad shoulders? City broad shoulders. You do yeah. have broad shoulders. Oh, thanks. Bro. And you're very mid- midwestern uh, in that in that kind of friendly. Can I use your mm-hmm. phone? Sort of way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and I love that. So you and I were on an improv team together. Yes. In Chicago, mm-hmm. my first improv team. Mine too. Was that right? My first. Uh, yes, it was. I mean, I'd done classes and things like that, but that was my first real team at the playground, the playground theater. A little. Uh, I, I want to hear how you came to that rainy day, uh, but let, let me God. just to get it out of the way. Yeah, go ahead. I went to Chicago just like everybody. We, we, I felt like we all read the same Chris Farley interview, mm-hmm. and he said he went to Chicago for Madison, and then he got on SNL, and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I go to Chicago. I auditioned for Second City. Classes didn't get it. Had a horrible audition. Still plagues me to this day. We were on a boat. I still to, remember my second city audition. Is that right? I want to hear about it. Yeah. To this day, I'm superstitious of doing an improv scene on a boat. Really? Because of that scene. Because there's something about you never leave the room you're in, but there's something psychological about being on a boat that you know, like, it's stupid. It's stupid. But it's because of that audition. I was steering the boat. And it's an audition where all they want to see is you not ask questions and, and agree, and you don't even have to be hilarious. And I was just like doing bits. I was like, I'll tie the anchor to a copy of Stephen King's It. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You think that's what the character would say in that scene? You're going to tie the anchor to Stephen King's It? I still remember that joke because the heat of adrenaline was like a fucking car crash in my heart. Right. This is so important to me. Then I'm steering the boat, and I literally, there was a lull, and I went, where the hell are we going? Literally. In an improv scene, yelled out, where the hell are we going? Uh, Offering nothing. And I, the third thing I remember from my horrible Second City audition was the look of sheer terror on my partner's face. I looked at the scene started and he was shaking. His eyes were shaking. You know what I mean? Uh, like his yeah. body was still, but he was looking at me and they were like glassy and shaking. Back and forth or like the... Up and down. Uh, up and down. Up and down. I, oh, I actually... I think back and forth, back and forth. And that fucking guy, we walked out together in silence. No camaraderie. Right. No, like, man, we blew that because we were devastated. Hey, we, that went. Uh, we thought show business was over. What, what, uh, this, was, this was to audition for the uh, classes. Oh, That's what mine really? was. Yeah. 
I later auditioned. I, I fucked other Second City auditions up, but that was just to get into their class. For the conservatory? Yeah, because I wanted to skip ABCD. I wanted to go to one, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah. Stupid. Should have just gone to ABCD. So how did you – so you had come from Boston, right? From Boston. I got married and I went to Boston. Yeah. And I met you. So I want to hear – I remember uh, the day we met much better than I remember my Second City audition. Well, let's talk about that then because let's bring, let's bring the, these worlds together. The only reason I told the story of Second City mm-hmm. was I was striking out. I was like, I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to be an improviser. I thought I was the fucking greatest improviser in the world. <laughs> right. And I, that was so stupid. Stephen King's It is example. <laughs> Let me tie the anchor to Stephen King's It, says the greatest improviser in the world. Where the hell are we going, says the greatest. Uh, and then, so I did that, and improv You were a great improviser at that point, I thought. Oh, thank but you. you no, well, that, that, that goes without saying. That's very nice. That's great of you to say. I didn't expect that. That caught me off guard, but I appreciate that. Improv Olympic, I, was, I felt like I was going nowhere. Everyone looked exactly like me. Fucking doughy, friendly white guys from some other city. Oh, yeah. Coming here because you're a kid. There were three busloads of them pulling up every to day. Second City oh, every day. You're a campus celebrity? You, you were funny in uh, the, the ha-ha Nazis or whatever the fuck? Right. Guess what? We, we've got enough of you. Oh, you can, we, do, uh, you can do the Matt Foley impression? Yeah. Oh. Cool. Get in line. Do you know any women? Do you know any black dudes? Do you, God, if you knew a Latino... You, yeah. you, it's fucking a bag of gold. That's amazing. Ironically, we ended up having two on our. Uh, Did we? We have uh, Caesar was on that team. Of course, Northwest Caesar. Or, the Wiz. Marla was. A- Latino. Oh, I forgot Marla was Latino. She did a uh, she she actually was with a Latino um, improv group, I think, after that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I you know some some people uh, Salsation, I think it was called. I don't know why I remember that. Salsation. Oh, Salsation, I think was the name of it. I, I, yeah. My gag reflex actually just went. <laughs> that, that's real. Yeah. Salsation. Yeah, I'm almost positive that was the name of it. That was a Chicago like uh, Latino um, improv group, I believe. <laughs> Sombrero station. <laughs> okay, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something actually worse. Chips I actually do feel a little nauseous. Uh, okay, so okay, so then let's talk about the day we met because I'm yeah. striking out. I can't find any leverage. Improv Olympic doesn't need me. Second City doesn't want me. On a rainy Tuesday, mm-hmm. I go to the playground for the incubator. Yes, you take it. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't remember. You. I don't remember how I heard about the incubator program exactly. Me what I, I did, I get, I got out of uh, college at Marquette. I came down to Chicago, guns a blazing, ready to like, you know, take the comedy world by storm. Yeah, I think we all know that happened. Stephen King's it. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, same story. I, I immediately ah. got into classes at Second City. Um, and I got into like some acting classes and I was just sort of, you know, sort of stumbling along. And and then I got into these periods of time where I didn't do much at all for comedy or I should have, you know, maybe I was taking a class or, or, you know, trying to do, and I wasn't doing like open, I wasn't doing any stand up or anything, but I felt like I was picking up like improv shows here and Mm -hmm. there once Mm -hmm. in a while, but not with any set group. Would you go to the jams? Yeah. I think like didn't triple D's have a show. I don't remember. remember. That was after that. I'd go to like the midnight improv Olympic jams. Mm. It was it was so excruciating. It was so hard. You'd you'd that was like very dupey improv style. Yeah. I, but I remember I did like scene. I did scenes with John Lutz, who's oh, yeah. now yeah, on yeah, Thirty Rock, Rock and all this sort of stuff. And I still remember remember them. But we were just playing like short form games. I also remember the songs I improvised because the again adrenaline is linked with memory. Sure, and I remember. Like the suggestion, the song that I improvised, the lines that I said, the the things that got laughs, the things that didn't get laughs. This was like a heated and a charged time in my life. Yeah. I, I remember John Lutz going, I'm Wilford Brimley. And I just laughed 
I broke on stage. It was great. <laughs> I feel that way about some of the. I remember taking class with TJ Jagodowski at I.O. Yeah, he, he was, he was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. And, and um, I remember having great scenes. Mm-hmm. I, every scene he complimented me on, I can remember exactly what I did. But actually, I'm kind of the opposite. And most of the time, I'll remember the bad shows. Uh huh. And every now and then, a great moment will will sit with me that I remember. And think, yeah. That was a fun night. Yeah. But uh, but the bad ones sort of haunt you. Yeah. You know, it's like football coaches always say that the the losses hurt ten times as bad as the wins feel, feel good. good. Yeah. And so that's how I felt. But I. I ended up deciding I knew at the playground you could get on stage. That's all I wanted to. Yeah, and I wanted to like Please. go and yeah, get get involved and so I went there and I remember our audition. The playground it was like what? a Saturday morning, wasn't it? I feel all I remember was it was raining a little bit. Yeah, it was a very light rain. It might have been Saturday. And I just like people for picture, picturing purposes, for picturing purposes, yeah. tiny little theater. Storefront on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, do not it's smaller than a Starbucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe 20 seats. Yeah. This is a tiny space. And there's this probably is, 30 people there, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty filled. Like, no no seats. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually remember we sat next to each other. Yeah. I remember that, too. Ah! We didn't do a scene, though, did, in that. No, we did we not. No. But we did. This is actually one of the philosophies that I was going to talk about when we were talking about auditioning. The show kind of starts when you get there. Mm-hmm. As, as obnoxious as that sounds, I'm not talking about going in and being on and doing bits. But I went in, and I still do this. I'm, I'm a small talk in the waiting room guy. I mm-hmm. like momentum. There's momentum and there's reserve. I like momentum. Momentum's better. I'm funny in the audition because I'm funny all the time. I'm personable in the audition because I'm personable in the room. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing with you. Everybody's nervous. Right. Everybody's going into this thing shit scared. It's probably a room full of 30 people that are also like us, striking out, can't get on stage. We need this. Right. It's raining and it's Saturday morning and I'm in a, a theater that seats less people than are here. Like more people are here to audition. We're we're nervous. Yeah. So you and I sat not even in the same row. I believe you were behind me and I kind of like turned around and we started talking and started making people laugh. Yeah. And that and then I was like I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. That that set the stage. That set the momentum. That's a sweet thought. I I I I, I remember I remember this. I remember leaving there hoping you and I would get put on a team together. Yeah, I remember that and too. I remember feeling that and, and then, Sarah Haskins. Yeah. Who's doing great by the way? I remember that. Isn't she writing? She's or writing. She just signed. She got some big overall deal with like Universal or something. To write? Uh, yeah. She, her and her writing partner. I'm not sure. Good for like her. A feature deal or do something. Do you remember the character that Sarah Haskins and I used to do only at rehearsals? It never made it on stage of the two poor Eastern European people. <laughs> no, I don't. But please do it. <laughs> I can't. I couldn't do it. First of all, it's, I couldn't do it without her. But all I remember was it was like it's borderline offensive. Uh-huh. And <laughs> like anything that would make a room full of comedians at a rehearsal at uh-huh. McCain's house yeah. laugh. But we would always just be like, hello, we're here. For, oh, yes, I do remember that. We're here for the apartment. <laughs> and, and then the game was just making shitting on them as much as possible. And whatever they gave us, we were so grateful for. They're like, there's a pack of ketchup. Up and would be like, oh, thank you so much. It was so offensive. Hearing you do the voice, I remember. <laughs> oh, man. That is Never. Sometimes improv rehearsals, a hundred times funnier than any show would ever do. Oh, hell yeah. Because we were so much more comfortable. Especially with that group. 
Uh, Aaron Walters and I yeah. did <laughs> did a fucking serial killer scene. I remember that. You he remember was tied this? up. He's tied up. Yeah. And the game was immediate. Yeah. He's tied up, and he uh, was the friendly guy that was unaware of the peril he right. was in, and being completely courteous to the guy who's going to kill him. And I'm I'm like sharpening knives. I didn't say anything in the scene. It was a silent scene for me. Rare. Oh, and man. he and he was just like, hey. Oh, this is a nice basement you got here. Pretty dark. Why uh, you got all those windows boarded off? I guess you don't like the light, huh? And then I started shaving his head, yes, presumably yes. to like eat uh, his yeah. brains or whatever. Right. Do you remember what I he remember, said? No. He goes, huh, "Not too much off the top." <laughs> and the whole scene, I'm supposed to be playing a serial killer. I had tears streaming down my face from not laughing, from trying not to laugh. Rehearsal. Right. Never at a show. No. We were never that good at a show. Our shows were pretty bad. We, we had a couple yeah, we good had some ones. Bad just, I, I, but that's the tragedy of improv is like, okay, that's a funny scene. We should do that scene. I feel like improv and sketch should be fucking more. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say our shows. We had some great – I remember when we started doing shows because I, I had a ton of friends. One of the reasons that I got sidetracked in Chicago was because all of my friends were like college friends or people I knew from growing up. None of them were involved in, in – uh, Entertainment or inter- comedy or whatever. They didn't right. want to be actors or writers or whatever. So I remember that was one of the things that drew me to you so much because you were one of the people that I met and was like, this guy has the same ideas that I have. He wants to do what I want to do. And you, I felt like you had an energy that I was like, oh, this, this, I think that's what drew me to you so really? much. Other than I think we were a lot alike and we got along. And- we were a lot alike and had very similar senses of humor. In yeah. fact, I remember your audition. But even back then, see, look, I'm not playing coy so you'll butter my bread. Mm. You're saying that even back then we both were kind of like, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. I do remember being like, this is the not fucking around time. I was out of college and and we're really going for it. And mix that with like a healthy overdose of like confidence and assuredness that things would go my way. Mm-hmm. Talking to a guy who got married when he was 22, what could go wrong? You know what I mean? Right. I'm, in, I'm in the zone of nothing can go wrong. I'm invincible. I'm still not even thinking about my mortality and I'm going to make it in show business. I, I still maintain that, but back then it was even, if that's a bad thing, worse. Sure. <laughs> if it's well, no, a good I thing, no. better. I, you know, I think, <laughs> and I think when I met you is when I got a little more serious about it because I did mess around. I was there a couple years before you were right. and I did mess around a little more. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Right. I didn't, my parents weren't involved in this stuff. Right. I didn't know anyone who was doing it. Right, right, right. I was like kind of lost. Like how the hell do I become an right. actor? Because that's what I wanted to do, you know? Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, I took the classes and stuff like that, but I, I still felt like I didn't have a lot of guidance. And there, and there wasn't anybody in my life who I would had this kinship, like I felt like I had with you later, right. where I was like, this is what, this is what I'm talking it about. It helps like, a lot ta- yeah, it helps to a lot. meet somebody and be like, oh, and I think I, I, I saddled up, whatever, right next to you, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, and that's what helped with the group. Then we had a group going. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we ended up getting put on a team. But I, I remember going into Chicago with the expectation that it was going to be the big leagues. I was like, this is going to be for real. Mm-hmm. You know how it says like improv Olympic, you're going to get an ID card that lets you into things. It's like a fucking page of this notebook paper that they wrote. He's okay. Right. You know what I mean? Signed Sharna. You know? <laughs> and I thought it was going to be like a laminated, like DMV serious <laughs> thing that you swipe. You know what I mean? I thought it was like, it turned out to be like a bar with a theater. And then, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure, yeah. But like, I think that me being like, that's what Chicago is going to be. 
I think you kind of hit what you aim for. And I was like, this is going to be the serious, not fucking around place. Mm-hmm. And the playground was my last hope that it would be. And then here, and here you come in on that random Saturday. Yeah. And this is not pretty bromancy, but I'm into it. I'm <laughs> into right, it. Oh, you, it's a podcast. <laughs> oh, they couldn't see that. We're not on camera. <laughs> your hands are very warm. <laughs> it's warm in here. Here's what I remember about your audition is, uh, I remember laughing beforehand. You remember that as well? Mm-hmm, yeah. And then you mean I, just ch- ch- yeah, chit-chatting, just, just talking, shooting yeah. shit? And I think maybe someone else. I remember Sarah Haskins went up, and one of the things was like, she went on this run. I'll never forget. She just goes like, "Yeah, he, talking about I don't know a baby or an old man. It doesn't matter." She's like, "Yeah, he can drive. He can drive a car. He can drive a uh, a, a golf cart. He can drive a golf ball." <laughs> and when she said he can drive a golf ball, I swear, like fireworks went off in my brain i had never heard such a joke and now you know i've been doing comedy over a decade i'm like yeah drive a golf ball the same verb different meaning right who cares but at the time it was like the heavens opening wow. and god's hand came out and high five sarah Haskin. <laughs> and, and i was like i hope i'm on a team with her and she was yeah and you and you did the scene where you were this husband perfect you knew who you looked like uh-huh. you looked like a husband and you had uh no you were engaged and for your wedding you oh. wanted the green bay packers colors and like a theme for the wedding to be the packers this is so lame ballroom blitz was the suggestion <laughs> for that they said that was the guy the guy who ran the playground was was pacing in the back of the room i go up with somebody i don't think yeah. it was somebody who ended up on our team i no. think it was somebody else somebody random and he said your suggestion is ballroom blitz yeah go and now that you, i had forgotten about yeah. that scene but now that you remind me of That's it that was it, was it so it was like and it was one of the few scenes that actually got laughs like big laughs yeah and i remember you were like i like what are the colors orange and green yeah, it was like it was green and yellow. I wanted you were like to be I love Packer. the green and yellow, and everyone died, and I was like, oh, local reference. Yeah. I also remember at that audition, just like the uh, Office episode where Michael Scott takes improv. Someone did shoot a lot of people. Yeah, because after oh, a while, you have you have such a great memory for the details of this for this that day. Yeah. Well, you're gonna, I bet you're gonna start shining when we start talking about what it was like when I was married. Blocked <laughs> <laughs> it all out. <laughs> it's all erased. It's all erased. But uh, I remember someone was shooting someone, just a real improv panic thing. And I came out and was like, it's okay, folks. It's all part of the show. Kind of this meta thing. Yeah. Being like, it's okay. Don't." And then he shot me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that guy was not put on a team. Right. Do you remember anything else? Or now should we jump to this, the group? We were Run Faster. Yeah, we were called Run Faster. And I remember I was not there the night that we picked the name. I, I remember... I was such an improv Nazi, and I remain. Was that your Was that your name? No, 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 Pad Padrick. Pad Connolly. Pad Connolly came up with that name, and I remember. Again, it goes back to that not fucking around thing, and I still have this where I'm like, it's our job to play and be silly, and if I'm like, let's do this impression or let's sing this song, you do it. Right. It's your fucking job. Do it with me. You're on my show. Let's do this. Let's play. We're in the sandbox. Go with it. You know what I mean? So they were like, the game was, let's come up with a name for our team. And I had like 30 names because it's just like, go. The ground, the Groundhog Gang. Mm-hmm. Who cares? <laughs> right. The Groundhog Gang. But I'm just saying, let's, let's start going. The way to a good idea is a lot of bad ideas. And most people on the team were sitting there with no ideas because they're all trying to think of a good the best idea. One. They, want the be- they, want, right, they want the first one out of their mouth to be the one we go. Just say Hogtide. You know what I mean? Just say banana pajamas. Mm -hmm. Fucking get something on the paper. And people were sitting there like it was the SATs and they were blanking. I was like, this is supposed to be fun. Patrick was the only one came up with 30 and came up with one. And it was run faster. And we're like, I guess. And then then we were run faster for years. Yes. Became quite quite legendary. 
<laughs> in the Nobody Came yeah. to Our Show scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Mary McCain was our director. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We did an experimental form of McCainian improv. <laughs> <laughs> well, McCain. I wonder how McCain's doing. I, I wonder how McCain is doing too. I remember getting McCain's. Uh, imp- she was on Baby Wants Candy. Yeah, so I thought that was aw- she was a celebrity to me as far as uh, right. you know. I, I still think she's awesome. And I remember calling her apartment. Uh, to ask something about the class or something. And it was like, hey, this is Mary. You've reached me at my new pad. That's right. <laughs> and then I was like, what? Who? A woman? New pad? And I was like, surely she's going to make some joke. And she didn't. It was right. just straight-faced. You've reached me at my new pad. And Mary and was, was like, a sweetheart, but I think she had that voice that on her voicemail outgoing message for a long time. You think so? It wasn't her new pad after a while. <laughs> I, no, I remember thinking, McCain. McCain. I've known you for 18 months and you've been in the same place the whole time. It's not a new pad anymore. <laughs> change the you pad, change McCain. The pad, McCain. <laughs> and please remove the word pad from the... I think she didn't message. know how to use her answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> In her defense. In her defense. She couldn't use an answer. She wasn't machine. technically sound with that guy. But we would meet at her home. Yes. I think this is interesting. I think people might It was like a Lincoln Square apartment. Lincoln Square. I walked. I used to walk. Oh, that's right. I would you walk right to that apartment. Then, yeah. And uh, a tiny apartment. And this is where serial killer barber and uh, the Eastern European uh, <laughs> yeah. downbeaten people, all these magical things happen. And, uh, and uh, okay, there we go. I think that's the improv story. That was it. It was. Fun. I mean, it was great. And it's funny because, well, I think Pad is still doing a lot of improv in Chicago. Yeah. Like on a really well-recognized team. I haven't talked We've, to him. We're, we're Twitter buddies. He occasionally tweets at me. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah so. I got, I'm Facebook friends with him. Yeah, right yeah. We, we're internet friends. Walters, Aaron Walters, I still talk to a ton. You know, and Aaron's a guy who I always I always encourage him. You know, now we, we were really close for a while. We don't talk as – I still consider him a great friend. We talked every now and then. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, and for those of you listening, if any members, he's done a lot of commercial work actually as well in he Chicago. Bud Light guy. Or yeah, something. like Jimmy Football I think a few years yeah. ago. And um, I always thought him was so funny. I, I, he is I, really I, funny. Yeah, he, he's so – funny guy. Smart and funny. But uh, and that, I, if looking back, it was, it was a talented group. It was a talented group. You what know? was Marla's husband's name? Jeff? James. 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 It's, Marla. I think they're still married, I hope. <laughs> Speaking of divorce, you you knew me. <laughs> you knew me when I was married. We were yes, married couple friends. We were. And the selfish intent of having you on the show was I was like, I honestly would like that outsider perspective mm-hmm. in, in kind of a weird way. What I remember when I got divorced, let's start here. Mm-hmm. I told you and you believe you didn't do anything wrong, and this is not me confronting you. You were the least surprised. Uh, mm-hmm. You were kind of like, well, you were really, really young, is what you said. Yeah. For, that's not the first thing you said, <laughs> believe right. me. The first thing you said was the appropriate, oh, my God, let's go eat some wings. Right. And, yeah. and a <laughs> beer sort of thing. <laughs> but I do remember you being like, well, you were super, super young. And yeah. we were super, super young. When we met, I had already been married for a year, maybe? A year. And you wouldn't get married for another couple years. You were two, at my wedding. Two years. Right, I was yeah. at your wedding. Yeah. Two years later, you yeah. would get married. So we had to be this. And looking back, I feel like I was young when I got married. I know. And you were. You yeah. were. Uh, 25, 26. That's young. Yeah. And here's old Johnny 22, me. Right. Already married for a year. Just what the fuck was I doing? It yeah. had to be so absurd. Although, I mean, you knew both of us. Yeah. I well here's here's my thoughts. I I would say that's true. Which part? Uh that 
I wasn't entirely surprised. I was very sad. Sure. When you told me you got divorced. Um, and just because we had known you guys so well, and we were a couple friends. Yeah. And Aaron was very sad as yeah. well. But I think she and I what sort the of. Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> if you try and pull that shit, you <laughs> help me again. <laughs> Don't look at the cake, look at me. <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> There's cake. Hey, God, no. Don't look at the cake. You look at me. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I know he's your friend. <laughs> you don't have to do everything. Well, that, that's actually no. interesting. A divorce ri- uh, will uh, shake up the married people. Sure. There's team marriage. And if somebody gets divorced, it threatens everybody. Everybody, I don't think yeah. necessarily uh, appropriately, will start freaking out. It's the same with uh, girlfriends. You break up with a girlfriend, every girlfriend of the guy that you're friends with is worried that you're next. They're next right. sort of thing. So that's always weird. Here's why it didn't surprise me. Tell me. If we can talk about it. I, first of all, um, your ex-wife was delightful. We, I thought you guys had. you guys seemed to have a great... You know, th- th- this was the sad part. Yeah, that you guys got along great. You were clearly very close. Yeah, and we liked her a lot. Um, you to give a perspective. We both you left Chicago, and we both left Chicago at the same time. I came to LA. You uh-huh. went to New York. Uh-huh. Almost like identically at the same time. Very bizarre. And, uh, she. So I was. By the time you got divorced, we were not hanging out for a while. Mm-hmm. It had been at least That's a right. year. That's right. So we had kind of been removed from it, and I think the. It had been three years. Had it been three years? Three okay, years. I didn't know when you got divorced. Yeah, it, it just seemed. Like, I remember. I remember you initially told me we were G chatting or whatever on and Gmail, yeah, which was new. Yeah, back then. yeah, it was brand. First, new. I invited you to Gmail, and then we. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, they gave me over a gig of free space, and I. Yeah, I still owe you for that. By the way, that invite changed my life. I guess, and and I, I hope none of this. Would make you feel any differently? I just I, I felt like as you described to me as we kept in touch in those first few years that you were in New York, mm-hmm. as you described to me what you were doing career wise, I was very excited for you. But I also felt like God, that doesn't sound like something she would be along on the ride for. You mean specifically touring career wise? Yes, like well, like you just because this is very helpful to me because I used to I used to resent the implication that I didn't see her enough mm-hmm. but like looking back I'm kind of like yeah you, it can't just be something you ignore mm-hmm. that was my strategy at the time was like let's just ignore that I'm going to be doing this and this and this mm-hmm. uh, and then like would just make up for it like would spend every every moment that w- I wasn't uh, going out of town for one night or whatever we would be together constantly and I felt right. like that made up for it when really that was that was a compensative compensative, I guess, uh, approach as, as opposed to merging the lives together, joining, like being like, we're, this is happening to our life. Like, we're going to be doing this together. I don't know if that's the solution, but that's not what we were doing. Yeah, and she just felt like somebody to me where, I mean, you guys were so young, and you were always, in my eyes, you have, you have such this great childlike energy about you. You yeah. know, and I think especially then, obviously, sure, young, sure, sure. Where she always struck me as sort of this kind of old soul, sort of, uh, you know, like the kindergarten teacher, yes, like the patient, and I'm the kindergarten yeah. student. Well, no, I, 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 <laughs> no, well, no, and I don't know, like, it, it, no, I agree. That's with what it. she did, isn't it? Or, or oh, she was a teacher. Yeah, okay, I couldn't remember. She for wasn't sure. a kindergarten teacher, but she, she okay, was a but she she felt that way. I mean, yeah. it felt like she was itching. She was moving towards this settling down. Place. Yes, that's the that's just the energy that came off. Right, for not me. you felt like you were just gonna 
keep going like a locomotive. You know what I mean? Right, and it right, just right, felt right. like, and as and I never thought, I never thought they're going to get divorced. Right. But when you told me, yes. I felt like somewhere in your subconscious you would you'd crunch those numbers already. Yes. Without even knowing it. Right. And then I told you and you're like that adds up. My math checks out. Yeah, like that doesn't god, that doesn't shock me. But I, yes. it wasn't where I've had other friends where I've thought like he's such a douchebag. Right. She's not going to stay with him. Right, right, right. It wasn't that feeling. Right. It was the feeling of like different past. Cuz like, it wasn't for lack of trying is what I hear you saying. Right. Because I was trying. I was trying very very hard and there wasn't neglect. Nobody I think felt neglected. But what's brilliant and what I'm so grateful to hear you say cuz I I'm still trying to learn from that experience is the idea that it was just different trajectories. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the beginning. And I'm not saying she was looking for the end, but she wasn't necessarily like, who wants like a wild showbiz romp? Like, would you like your, your life to be like a, a roller coaster? Not necessarily with ups and huge dark downs or anything, but like my life since then has been off the grid. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, it's, it's, uh, it's not standard at all. It's unrecognizable. Yeah. To most people, if you could see the colors and patterns of what my life is, you'd go, what is that? It looks like a clown threw up. Mm-hmm. But like other people's lives, there's different quadrants and you'd go, he works here and then he at night he smokes his pipe. I don't know what regular people do. <laughs> right, do right. people smoke pipes at night? I have scotch. <laughs> well, we have that in common. Yeah. So yeah, oh, the, brilliant. Great. So I thought, I mean, you guys as a couple, were, we always enjoyed hanging out with you. You know, one thing she used to do that I remember – and this it shouldn't mean anything because people do this with their spouses all the time. Please. But like to me, you were Pete. Everybody called you Pete. Yeah. She, as I recall, she <laughs> always called you Peter. Interesting. Which in my mind lent itself to the idea. Also, we were like, you know, 23, 20, however old we yeah, were. Yeah. We were much more conscious of people's ages at that time. Yeah. And I think she was, a, I'm a couple years she's older. Two, three years older than you. He, she was. Two uh, years older than me. Oh, because she's two years older. So she's like my age. And I remember just thinking like there was a little bit of, well, she's older. Yeah. You know, but I mean, yeah. she was like, you know, 23 yeah. and you were 21, whatever it was when you But it, it, it's that old soul thing that you're picking yeah, up Yeah, that I was picking up on that. and, and um, That's so interesting. It's funny. But it was funny, you know, because I think Aaron and I... Uh, yeah, we... <laughs> you know, she she was very... I think she it hit her maybe even harder than it hit me because she looks at it... You know, she's not in the in this industry at all. Mm-hmm. And she has always been incredibly supportive and along for the ride. And she knows. And, and it's funny because I definitely have made certain sacrifices and not done certain things uh, to, to, to not complicate her life. Boom Chicago. Boom Chicago. Well, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the Boom be- Chicago, by the way, they, uh, I remember that was one of the first things I thought. I was like, if I got Boom Chicago, that's where you are on the Improv Olympic team in Amsterdam. Right. And people were like, it's the best. You smoke pot. I'm so fucking glad I didn't get it. I didn't audition for it because I was married. I was like, I can't go to fucking Amsterdam right. for six months. No way. So, well, stuff like yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly that kind of stuff. And, and my wife has made a thousand times more sacrifices sure. so that I can do what I do sure. than I have ever. But, for example, like, you know, you one of my – it's not a regret because I just don't know that I had passion for it. But, like, I remember in Chicago, I would go to a few open mics with you. You were always telling me, you got to do stand-up, do stand-up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I remember you said to me once, I would make a joke and you'd laugh. You're like, you're letting them slip away. Ah! That's <laughs> – with me. You still say that? I don't know. Like, oh, I didn't mean to haunt you. No, but... it, it has haunted me. But I, 
You were good at stand-up. I saw you do stand-up that one time. I still remember your material. You were about ghosts and how you could just feel that there was a ghost in your bedroom. But you pull (laughs) pull the sheets up because ghosts can't go through sheets, guys. Right. (laughs) Also, I I rip you off all the... God, that's crazy. uh, You are the originator of of, uh, Dylan, You Just Had a Banana, which is a line from uh, one of my more well-known routines. Routines. Which is Aaron said – you said Aaron's always complaining that I'm hungry, or like doesn't understand why I'm hungry. You're like, I'm, I want to eat again. And she's like, he just had a banana. <laughs> right? right? Uh, yeah. You said that to 45 me. 45 minutes ago, yeah, you yeah, had a banana. Yeah, yeah, How could yeah, you be hungry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I laughed so hard and I was like, are you going to use that? And you're like, no. And I was like, can I have that? Yeah, totally. And you're like, yes. And then I don't think I wrote the bit for like 10 more years <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but I, like right. Dylan, you just had, had a banana came from you. And it, But there is something about that like use the things that you have. I do get frustrated when I hang out with really, really funny people who are capable of doing stand-up like you. Like one time, I, I think I said this, Chris, I know you won't mind. Mm-hmm. I know I said this recently on a podcast. I called someone uh, Blade saying you have all our strengths and none of our weaknesses uh-huh. because we were talking about bicyclists. They're on the road and they can go through red lights. Right. Yet they want uh, us to stop for them. You know what I mean? So they're like the daywalker. Right. So I've never forgotten that analogy, and I use it on this show all the time. I, you know, because I, I don't know. I, I just think it's a great thought. I, I'm assuming you're fine with that. I'm 100% fine. Of, of, that's, I, I'm that's, smiling because yeah. I'm rem- I, I recently thought of that. Isn't that weird? That moment. Because yeah. you have things that are bits, and I'm like, you'd open with daywalkers, these mm. pieces of bike, and then you do, Dylan, I have a banana. And instead, I've just <laughs> taken those things. <laughs> No, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm glad you – because, you know, I, I – So I haunted you and you were saying, yeah. did Erin not really want you going out every night doing stand-up? Well, she never – Not really, even Erin or yeah, did you yeah, not want to do that if, because it, of – I didn't want to do it because of that. You know, yeah. and I did when, – when I got to L.A., I did do a ton of improv and yes. she was kind of on board for that. Yes. Um, and I didn't – I didn't pursue stand-up and, and I – over the years, I have a total confession. I actually – not for the reasons you would think. You fucked my wife? I, yes. <laughs> Yes, I did. Uh, not for the reasons you think. Listen, Wait, what was it? Uh, Pad and Walters were there. They will tell you. You put Ram Bunk in her eye? No. in the Ram. I've actually been, ta- the, the, I've actually been taking a stand. I'm done with it now. I t- recently took a stand-up class. Really? Yes. Okay. Because Not because I wanted to do stand-up, but because I was in kind of this creative funk, and I wanted to write. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is going to make me write stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had, I'd come out of like a period where I was writing and writing, feeling very very creative. And then at the beginning of this year, I kind of hit, hit the skids, and this is, it was close to my house. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm out in Pasadena, and I'm not close enough to a lot of this stuff. So I was like, I'm going to take this class and see how it goes. And it was fine but it would it made me write and like it actually helps me find like material for like you know what i when i write scripts or whatever like right, right, right. And, and but i also uh i do i like the performing aspect of what i don't know if i just didn't have the passion for it but i knew that all along the way if i tried to bite off one more thing that was going to be asking a lot of aaron yeah and i never wanted to to do that to, yes. You know, again, I mean, like, I w- it is a regret. I wish I'd gotten into it earlier, but I don't know. I, you know, you have this incredible love for it, and you're right. such a student of it. And I remember, I, you know, I still have the stand-up book you gave me. No, you gave me that Judy Carter stand-up. <laughs> 
embarrassing. Yes, and it stand-up is, comedy, the book by yes, Judy Carter. Yes, yeah, which I I haven't read it, but I, it's still sitting it's, on it's, my. It's not bad. I believe it's good. You it's gave it to me. Not bad. It's not. It's a good place to start, I suppose, or yeah. it was at the time. Sure. I, I feel like comedy's evolved. Hopefully, it, well, you it, have it an incredible has. instinct for it, but I think I always respect that you're very, you're very much a student of the game too. Yeah. Well, you, you're touching on something very big and very interesting and very deep, and I and I hope we can talk about it here and do this topic justice because what we're weigh, what we're doing is we're weighing. We're saying yes and no. Uh, we have the treasures of relationship and family, and here you are now married. Uh, any anybody that I knew that was married when I was married, and now I'm divorced, and they're still married, I, I get a little glimpse of that trajectory. Mm-hmm. You have how many kids? Two, two kids, two lovely kids who fill your life with, I'm sure, stress, but also light and joy. That's yeah, pretty much exactly and right. Real happiness, mm-hmm. buddy. Yesterday, I was so. It was just a cliche of depression yesterday, hmm. and, and it was that showbiz depression where I was literally in my home, and I was like, what do you need, Pete? We can literally get you anything you need. Uh, and again, I'm not a big drug person, but I was like, you want some weed? We can get you some weed. You want to go out and meet amazing, hilarious friends and get drinks? You'd like to go on a date? We, there's a, you call a girl. We call this girl. Sure. Give a girl a call. You want to do that? You want to watch a movie? You want to fucking go to a store and buy a plasma and throw it in the ocean? But then, and I was like, oh no. And I'm being vulnerable right now. What I want is love. And, I'm, and I felt it lacking in that moment. I was like, I'd like, uh, I'd like to really be deeply connecting with somebody mm-hmm. in that marriage way, in that family way. So here I am, mm-hmm. and I'm admitting right now to being a bit of a cliche, uh, quote-unquote successful, living the dream. Absolutely. Successful. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. I consider myself – I'm gauging by my own standards. I consider myself a success. Mm-hmm. I also consider myself uh, happy and living the dream. Hands down. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, uh, something like that, that sort of tide will wash in and I'll go, I want to be held. You know what I mean? Sure. This is embarrassing. It's part of my job is to is to get those thoughts, take them, experience them, and throw them away. Mm-hmm. And this podcast is is this weird opportunity for me to be like, let me recreate that for you. Mm-hmm. It's not that sad. I'm not listening to Joni Mitchell and cutting myself, and I and I don't want to uh, belittle anybody that is doing that. That sounds tragic, <laughs> right? Uh, but like. That, that's the yes and no. This is the balancing act that we're all doing. Mm-hmm. Selfishness, self, ego, pursuit. There's no – Chris, after this podcast, I could go to Australia. Mm-hmm. Nobody will miss me. That's simultaneously happy and sad. You know what I'm sure, saying? Sure, yeah. Well, I, you know, I look at it like there's an incredible freedom in that. Yes, of course you do. <laughs> like, what do they say yeah, about the grass being greener? Sure. Right. Of course. But uh, so we're talking about yes and no. I th- yeah, and I th- well, you're nailing it. And it's funny because we're, it's I I love knocking knocking the mic off. It's <laughs> I love that we're talking about this trajectory because we started like together in a sense. And and I know a few things about like I have that same feeling at times where I get very down and very like beat up myself. And it, and it but it's kind of the opposite. It's like. You know, I this does. I love love my family. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Let's take that as a given. It is a given. But I, God, it'd be great to be on tour or something. Right. It'd be great, fun to just go on the road and do comedy clubs. Yeah. You know, spend a month because I got a lot of buddies who do that kind of thing. You know, sure. And um, or do Boom Chicago, right? Or exactly, or like having one of these experiences, like you know, and and I I wouldn't do that. But what I wrestled with all the time is I knew that I've known since we met that I wanted to do this as a career. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like 
I also had that confidence about it, and I still do. And I've been able to make a living. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. proud of the living that I've been able to make. But I also wanted to be a family man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also what I wanted, and and I've achieved that. I'm very lucky that I'm with a a, a, a woman who's wonderful and supportive and right. does the heavy lifting right. when it comes to all things domestic and kids and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's it's wonderful, but it's funny, you know. But I also wrestle and I with the idea of like, God, there's so many things I would love to do creatively and career wise that just right. doesn't work right with this. I talk to Steve Agee, and Steve Agee will be like, Yeah, man, I've just been kind of in a slump. I'm going to go to Joshua Tree and write for a few days, and you're just kind of like, Man, you know who says that? We are the one percent. You know what I mean? We're <laughs> right. the fucking one percent doing shit like that, and I don't even bat an eye at that, you know. And, yeah. But like. It is – look, the grass is greener thing, mm-hmm. that's a cliche for a reason. It, it's a real thing. A I'm, real, thank yeah. you so much for telling me that you feel that way because I think we're just talking about the human experience. Totally. Whatever you're doing – I think you, we're talking about new stuff here. Uh, <laughs> I, new I, I, think, I think we're covering uh, well-covered ground but in, in, a, in a way that's making me feel fantastic. So I hope it, it's working for everybody. But the idea that you're – what I what I just did was I said, let's take my success, my freedom, and my creative fulfillment as a given, that I'm grateful for that. Right. Because then I want the green light to be able to go, me, me want, I want a little boy to run up and say daddy. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And then on the other side is you. This is just a fucking change-up movie. <laughs> is, we're yes. both going to reach for that let's bottle. Let's go pee of fountain. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to flip, and I'm going to be you, and I wonder if I'll learn some fucking life lessons, <laughs> and you're going to enjoy my empty bed. You're going to roll around. I'm going to play catch, and at the end, we'll come back and be richer for it. <laughs> That's exactly But there's that. no answer. No. I, I look at those like uh, like your Tony Soprano type. I always go back to the same examples because I love Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Sopranos. Sopranos. Uh, but these guys, these are guys that are trying in their weird, illicit way. But why is it, especially to men, is it so appealing watching these shows, Mad Men? Let's take Mad Men, more current. Don Draper, mm-hmm. the best. He's the best. And he's not even the best because he tries. He just is the best. Mm-hmm. And he tries. And... We got to watch him have a family, and then we got to watch him fuck around. We got to watch him get away with it. So he had novelty, mm-hmm. new women, secret. His job allowed that. He's working late. He's staying in the city, and he's fucking his, his daughter's school teacher. And we watch from home and quietly root for this monster. Right. This monster man. <laughs> he's the fucking monster man. And I watch, and I have a fucking framed photo of him in my apartment. It's not a photo, it's like a print. It's very nice, actually. You'll like this. That's the name of my loan out. What? Monster Man. <laughs> is it? It's, it really is. It is? Yeah. Monster Man Industries. I'm Robot Cop Incorporated. Oh, that's cool. That's even cool. <laughs> uh, no, mon- that's yeah. insane that it's Monster Man. It's Monster Man. Man. Well, it's, it's, it's a plan. Like, it's what my dad called me when I was a kid, and now he calls my sons that. Monster Man, Monster Man, yeah, just as a kind of a little joke. But the little, when they're it. when they're little, and he started calling them that, and my sons, and it kind of like made me How? feel closer to him. So then, when I had to do the stupid, you know, incorporation thing, I, I yeah, everybody picks something that. different. I like I like that. I I <clears throat> fucking I'm also the kind of I'm becoming more and more this person that's like that's meaning. I said Monster Man, and that's your thing. That's meaning. <laughs> anyway, but I mean Tony Soprano is the same thing. The yeah. guma, the the idea that they have the. Okay, so Tony Soprano even more wants to be the king, mm-hmm. and he wants his queen, and he wants his heirs. He wants a son, he wants a daughter, and then he wants to also do yes. whatever he wants. This is the lifestyle porn for the man. Right. Because I'm watching, 
and I'm yearning for the close moment with his children and his wife and the stability. And you're watching, and I don't want to put – let's take you out of it. Other people are watching and going, it would be nice to fuck a Russian girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think – look <laughs> – you know, it's, uh, all of us married guys live vicariously through our single friends. You know, I have this joke with my buddy. I'm like, God, if I was you, I would be. You know, it's like it's like I know you're not a huge sports fan, but I think of it in terms of sports a lot. Like, Please, if it's like the single guys are seven feet tall, <laughs> and it's like, man, if I was you, I would. But but they just sit at home and do nothing. Ha. It's like I would be Shaq. Yeah. If I was you. Yeah. But then my single friends are like, dude, I knew you when you were seven feet tall. Yeah. And, and you, you were in a, you shit. were in the fucking circus sweeping yeah. up the shit. You yeah, weren't yeah, Shaq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like so And not know, as easy as it looks. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's always easier from yeah. the outside. But I'm waiting I'm waiting for it to get to to run its course, the idea of, of ultimate freedom. And and I think what we're really talking about, the real topic here, if I can cut right through it, <laughs> is selfishness. Totally. Service to, to the self or service to someone else. Kids being the ultimate it's no longer about me. Mm-hmm. You talk about I need to eat. Fuck you. You also – your kids fucking need to eat. That's crazy. You're going to do that all state commercial right. or whatever, state farm. Uh, so, and, and, and dying to your wife, dying to your kids. You have primal instincts, voices inside of you that are saying look out for number one. Go eat a wild boar. Mm-hmm. Like we've got to make sure we stay alive. But the thing is, is you're going to stay alive. You're going to live. And now you're, you're retraining yourself to live for other people. That's awesome. And it sounds great. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's just, there is no answer to this question. None. But there is an answer to this question. Trident original. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the guy that's that got my gum, shoe. <laughs> that is the guy my shoe. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> that is awesome. Are you loyal? You're we loyal just, to Trident original? You know, Chris Thayer, who just did the show, called it old man gum. And okay. I was like, and that literally made me be like, okay, I'll get one of the fruitier ones. And I don't like them as much, but I do it for, for the kids. Yeah, they're not as good. I, 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 can't, I can't be passed by. I, I chew that gum not to name drop. I don't think it's that big of a name, but Michael Showalter chewed it. And I was like, that's the gum for me. That's cool. It's a classic flavor. Uh, it smells like alcohol a little bit. There's like a boozy <laughs> sort of like you'd, you'd want a drink that tasted like Trident Original. In fact, that's how we'll make our fortune. <laughs> there you go. Give me a Trident on ice. <laughs> Dentine ice. Dentine. Uh, well, dude, I hope the weirdos found this conversation buddy, interesting because I, I know I'm the least famous guy by a mile that you've had on. No, and no. I'm I just delighted. I just mentioned Chris Thayer. Chris yeah. Thayer would love to book a commercial. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that because he hasn't done anything, but he hasn't done anything on camera. So mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're in a good group. No, thanks, and people, uh, I don't want to speak for them, love the episodes where it's just two guys talking, where we get dance and fucking reliving those improv moments. I'm so glad you were able to do it. No, and it's funny because I've, uh, I've listened to a few of the shows, really sure. got a kick out of it. And, Thanks, um, I will tell, say, say for the for the weirdo listeners that this uh, it's funny how listening to your show is so much like having a conversation with you ten years ago. Yeah, you know. In the, like, are you saying that to point out that way. I haven't really changed them? No, 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 no. Obviously, Which is you've fine. grown up and matured sure. and everything else, but it just you know your spirit is the same. I uh, think and that's it's good. Like, does that, does that makes sense. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to be one of those guys that went through a divorce and became like bitter or became like mm-hmm. uh, I was very careful about that. So I'm happy to hear that. Say I liked who I was as a young man, mm-hmm. and and my my creative pursuits and my approach to comedy and all that stuff is an effort to remain like him. 
Because he yeah. he was a happy guy. I am a happy guy. He was definitely he was really whistling in the rain. You yeah. know what I mean? And I and I'm trying to hold on to as much of him as I can that I might give it to my little boys someday. Two yeah, boys. There you go. Two boys. One girl. No girls. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Two boys, I'd, no I'd actually like girls. Aaron wants to go for a girl now. I'd like a girl. Yeah. I think I'm the kind of dad that would do well with girls. I, I stopped know, caring. I like I got, we got two boys. I would have been thrilled with a girl. I think we might. I don't know if we'll do, do another one or not. But um, yeah. Uh, honestly, when my wife was pregnant, I did not care. I just was so yeah. nervous about the kid being healthy. Yeah. And people say that as a cliche, but that literally of was course, my thought. I literally course. did not give a shit. Of course. How old are they? The oldest one just turned four. The younger one is eighteen months. Wow. Yeah. So our house is a den of peace and quiet. <laughs> Right now, <laughs> so you don't want this to end. We're in a nice, cozy booth. I'm out of the house. I'm no, having nothing's a... crying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, no but it fine. sounds so great. And I'm gonna uh, just going back to our thing. I'm gonna go back to my huge couch and my Ryan Gosling poster, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, maybe take myself to dinner. <laughs> that means <laughs> masturbation. So <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for doing it. Chris Thank Mars, you. anything to plug? Oh, uh, nothing to. I guess nothing. It's okay. I mean, if you yeah. had a Twitter or something, I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm on Twitter. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I'm kind of relatively new to it. I've got the worst handle. In fact, I might steal your idea because everything involving Chris Mars or C Mars, which yeah. is what a lot of my friends yeah, yeah. call me, I call you C Mars. It's called the C Mars Show. Is my Twitter handle okay? The C Mars M A R R S show. show. Yes, but I might ju- two R's, but I might do. I might just change it eventually and okay. put a Z on the end of it because everything Mars or C Mars was taken. Because I noticed you have a Z. Yep, kind of, yep. You know, Homeboy took smart. my took my S. So um, yeah, I'm on Twitter and uh, I've got doing some improv shows this summer, I think, but nothing. Uh, Nothing too terribly exciting. A lot of writing. Okay, cool, man. I love it. I, I, well, when, when that stuff comes out, let me know, and we will promote it on Thanks, the show. Thanks, buddy. Really good to see you. Do you want to say keep it crispy? That's how we end the show. Sure. <clears throat> is there, well, this is Sammy Hagar. You're listening to the Pete Holmes. Yeah! <laughs> no, yeah, uh, weirdos, keep it crispy. Yeah! That was just straight, and I liked it. I like it. It started with Sammy Hagar, yeah. and it ended in a nice... Let's go drink, let's, let's go drink some Trident. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. 